All right, welcome back. We got the man himself, Lane Norton, um, two-time USAPL champion, IPF world silver medalist, IPF world record holder, uh, breaker, and uh, the accolades in powerlifting are deep. Arnold classic champion as well. Um, obviously uh, a legend in powerlifting, in nutrition, uh, social media influencer, entrepreneur, Joe Rogan alumni. Um, we could be here all day, my man. Thank you for coming back, though. Yeah, Ryan, thanks for having me, man. I, I'm uh, actually a pretty big fan of the show. I listen to most of the episodes. So I appreciate, I appreciate what you do for powerlifting. It's very important. Thank you. Thank you. And we were just talking. Um, we have uh, Arian who's trying to be the co-host, but his wife has down. <laughs> so my, my man is being a ninja and um, trying to steal, sneak around and steal somebody's Wi-Fi. An unsuspecting fast food vendor is going <laughs> 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 to buy some fries and stick around or whatever. I don't know what he's going to try to do. But um, you were saying you actually met him your very first USAPL competition. Yeah, so I, um, I I competed in powerlifting the first time in 2009. It was actually the only reason I got into powerlifting uh, was for bodybuilding. So I, I was I started in bodybuilding. I did my first uh, show when I was um, 19 years old and 2001. So I can date myself there. Coming up on, coming up on 40 this year, uh, pretty well. Welcome, sir. I'm 41. <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> So uh, yeah, somebody asked me what my uh, my my skincare routine was the other day in the gym. I've seen that. I just, I pointed, see. to the, I just pointed to the barbell. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fountain of youth. It really is. So, uh, my primary concern was just getting jacked uh, back in the day. But as a drug-free athlete, as a drug-free bodybuilder, um, it, muscle growth is just such a slow process that I just found in the off seasons from from training, from uh, bodybuilding, because I would take, you know, two, three, four years off between shows. I just got bored. You know, it was hard to keep training interested. And I remember one year I was kind of like, you know what? I'm, people, and I, I, I posted on this message board back in the day called Fortified Iron, way back in the day. And uh, people on there had said, you know, you got a pretty good deadlift. You know, you, you, you just do a meet, like it'd be fun. So I was kind of like, Okay, I'll do a meet. Maybe that'll give me something to train for, you know, to 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 stay engaged in my training. Cause I kind of thought of it like, well, maybe it's not the best thing I could do for hypertrophy, but if I'm like fired up about my training, if I'm focused on my training, I'm probably gonna get better results than if I'm going in and just like being really bored and half-assing it. So yeah, yeah I did my first meet in 2009, which was actually an APA meet. Um, I don't even know if they're even still around me. <laughs> um so yeah, did, did that, um, set their world deadlift record of 645, which, you know, <laughs> you know, if you want, you know, it used to be the joke was if you wanted back in the day, you could, you could find a world record to break, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it was interesting. It, it, I really didn't know, you know, like I said, I was just doing that for kind of shits and giggles to keep me occupied in the off season from bodybuilding. And then, so that was 2009, 2010. I went, I did probably, I want to say f four meets that year. I actually ended up competing in raw. Do you remember raw unity? I do. Yeah. So I did raw unity three um, and got stomped because, you know, that, that was like Jeremy Hamilton and uh, Jay Nira and, you know, those guys. 
They were untested. Yeah, you were. You were. Yeah. Right. But hey, look who it is. Is he here? I, I think he's trying to connect. Ariad, where What's where up, you man? at? Are you in? Are you in a fast food joint? Stealing their no. Wi-Fi, sir? No, because I mean, then it won't be quiet. Uh, no, I mean, you might be just outside. Where are you at then, sir? Okay, whatever. Yeah, the, he is incredibly slow. Is he broken up on your end too, Lane? Okay. I'm going to pause this cat. I'm going to mute this cat because he is uh, super, super... <laughs> The perils of Wi-Fi. That's it, man. Um, all right. Sorry, Arian. If, if, your, if your Wi-Fi picks back up, we'll bring you back in, sir. But, um, yeah, you were saying Raw Unity yeah, I mean, actually right had your... I'm on my phone service. I'm going to... Hang on a second here. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So you were saying Raw Unity actually have your powerlifting um, at the open powerlifting pulled up. And uh, yeah, this is your fourth fourth competition. Yeah, so I I, um, I, I kind of did that to, to cap it off because it was coming to the end of my off season for bodybuilding. I was going to start prepping for my first series of pro shows, and I actually at Raw Unity missed my first my first six hundred pound squat attempt. I remember I kind of that was kind of a hail mary. I'd hit five eighty five in the gym, and you know once you're like that close, it's kind of like you got to <laughs> go for the hail mary, right? Um, so. You know, I did okay, but didn't really give it much thought about that. Enjoyed doing it. Um, but I was like, okay, I'm going to go do bodybuilding. Did that, did well. Uh, managed to win a pro show. Um, and then I think that off-season, well, I'm still in my extended off-season from bodybuilding, funny enough, <laughs> 10 years later, 11 years later. <laughs> and I, I kind of like a year in, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to squat 600 pounds. I missed that last off-season. Like legs had always been a weak point for me. I got called chicken legs growing up. You, you know, got called chicken legs even after my first few bodybuilding shows. I put up a picture on Instagram the other day and kind of showed like, it. yeah, I was like at 20 years old versus almost 40 years old. And, you know, I've been training for four years in, in the previous picture and I had, I mean, really small legs, right? <laughs> so I was kind of like, you know what? I'd love to hit a 600 pound squad. It'd be nice fuck you to all these people who told me, you know, I got chicken legs or whatever. So I kind of made that my goal and, uh, you know, ended up like in, I think, 2011 doing that. Did a few more meets with some like local competitions around here in Florida. And in 2012, I met a guy named Mike Zordos. I don't know if you're familiar with Mike Zordos. but I am. Yeah. Uh, so Mike was pretty involved in uh, Florida USAPL powerlifting. He was a professor at Flo uh, Florida Atlantic University. And him and Ben Escrow were very tight. And they both, um, Ben was a friend of mine, former client of mine, actually, for nutrition. And um, we did, a, I did a, like a, basically what we called a VIP camp. So I invited all these experts in and we had people come out and all this kind of stuff. What was really funny was, this is back when Mike was doing this experiment of squatting every day. So of course, like Ben was like a little puppy dog with Mike and was like following Mike around, doing whatever Mike did. So he was squatting every day too. And what was really funny is like, we had these training sessions set out where it was, okay, um, you know, you're going to train with this pro bodybuilder. You're going to train with that pro bodybuilder. You know, you're gonna, like all the campers would train with different people. And Mike was like, Hey, do you mind if I just like, go over and squat in the corner? You know, I'm like, yeah, man, you know, feel free to interact with anybody. 
Well, by the, by the last day, everybody was in the corner with Mike squatting. Everybody wanted to squat. Nobody wanted to do their bodybuilding workouts, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, after that, I kind of like talked to Mike and I'm like, hey, man, would you do some programming for me? Did some programming. I got real strong with Mike. And then I, I kind of had like a, a little injury around 2012 to my adductor. And I, I took some time off from, from squatting. When I came back, Mike wasn't really doing programming much. But he was like, listen, you should work with Ben. Ben, he's like, Ben and I talk every day. He knows this stuff. Start working with Ben and you should do a USAPL meet because all those other feds you've been working, uh, doing it in are a joke. Just, just letting you know. My, if, you, if you've ever met Mike, you, you would understand. Like he's very funny, very straight shooter. He's like, I'm running a meet um, in, at Florida Atlantic. In, in, this was in 2013. He's like, you should do it. He's like, you, you know, there's now, there's a raw nationals now. I think, two, I want to say 2012 was the first year they did raw nationals for USAPL. Or I think it had like, I want to say it had like 70 people or something. <laughs> um, God, can you imagine those numbers now? Doug, you, uh, you missed the boat. You, you would have, <laughs> <laughs> well, no we kidding. missed our opportunity, but yeah. No, no kidding. Um, so anyways, I, I started prepping for that. Ben and I like prep for that. And I, I got to back up a little bit. Um, I had done a, it was, I think it was called Raw United. And I, I wanted to set the all time drug tested American squat record, which at the time I think was 655 pounds for the 220 class. And I missed it. I actually got um, uh, red lighted for depth, which had never really happened to me. And I was, you know, I'm not the kind of person to like, I'm animated, but I actually still to this day disagree with the depth call, but hey, you win some, you, win some, you lose some, right? Yeah. Like that, that's just how it goes. I don't really get real mad about that kind of stuff, but I kind of put it in my mind, I'm like, man, I'd love to get some redemption for that. So I went to this USAPL meet and I remember the first thing I thought of, so first off, Arian was at my first USAPL meet. So he was, he like, I guess he had met Zordos at uh, FSU when they were in the same gym. And so now he was helping out with the meets. And so Mike, was participating in the meet as well and had Arian kind of handling me. And so Arian didn't know anything about me. And so he watches my last warm up on squat, which I think was like 500 pounds or something like that. And he's like, you know, we might want to lower your opener. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm just going to override that because I know how slow my squats are. So we're just going <laughs> to not do that. Uh, so I think my opener was like 550 or something like that. Ended up squatting like 612 during the meet. Um, and this was the old 220 class and then uh, bench 391 and then deadlifted uh, 677. So just, I just barely missed, I attempted 700 on deadlift or 699.96 or whatever it is. This is the first raw nets? No, this was, so this was a local meet. So okay, yes. this, yeah. this was USAPL Southeast regionals, Okay. which that year had 30 people. And then like now, if you go to regionals, it's like 200 people. Which oh my crazy. goodness. <laughs> so actually Mike Tushir was in this meet as well. Mike Tushir pulled, uh, I want to say 843 at this meet. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So anyways, it, it was kind of a, kind of a cool thing looking back. So this local, this kind of well regional meet. And uh, I remember the, the first thing I, I thought when I got my, when I went out for my first squat was, oh my God, they make you wait a while before they give you the squat command. <laughs> I was used to just, as soon as you like, you know, get in position and then look up, the judge is giving you the, you know, the down command. And it's like, you know, there was like two or three seconds you're waiting because I didn't realize both the side judges got to give the head judge the down command. 
you know, I just didn't know that much about it. So anyways, um, I ended up winning my class at that, but missed a 1700 pound total. I'd missed it like a few times now and missed a 700 pound deadlift, which I, I, I missed a couple of times. So after the meet, I get an email from uh, Matt Gary and Matt says, Lane, you really ought to consider doing raw nationals because right now, you know, he's like the, the weight class, you know how serious Matt can be. Yes, sir. Uh, he's like the weight classes are changing. Um, you know, there's going to be a 231 class and there's going to be a 205 class. He's like in the 231 class, you would have, uh, I forget what he told me I would have done it at raw nationals, but it was like top three, I think I'm recalling emails from years ago. And, um, you would have been like seventh out of 18 at worlds. And I was thinking, I didn't, I, you know, I'd done raw unity, but didn't really know about like IPF worlds, right? Like I didn't get the big deal. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, I'll do nationals. All right, sounds good. Um, and so I decided that I was going to go down to 205, even though 220 is really comfortable for me. Um, and I, one note to lifters out there, uh, don't try to cut 15 pounds for a two-hour weigh-in, you know, a month out from your meet. Really were you actually 220? I didn't know you were that big. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I oh, mean, wow. He, um, I did uh, in 2019 when I did Raw Ashes, I actually did it as 231. But originally, um, that 231 is a little big for me. So, <laughs> so at, at that Nationals, Matt gave me a really nice compliment. He's like, man, you look like a 120. I'm like, oh, you just. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I kind of had to make this decision because naturally, um, as an off-season weight for me, 220 is, is, is kind of my comfortable settling point, probably a little bit below that. But um took like almost a full year to diet down to 205. And I, I had qualified for, since it was the first year that they were changing classes, I didn't have to qualify at a 205 meet. They just let anybody basically go wherever they wanted for the weight classes. So I'm kind of like looking at nationals and I'm like, all right, well, who's my competition going to be? Right. And of course the first person I pull up is Ellis McLean. Right. <laughs> And so I'm looking at, you know, this guy's videos and everything. I'm like, man, he's really strong. But as I was progressing towards that nationals, I'm like hitting different things. And, and Ben's telling me, he's like, he's like, the way you're adapting right now, he's like, you're going to have a good chance to win this thing. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, like, again, I don't get how big this is. You know what yeah. I mean? And um, so the training cycle progresses, et cetera, et cetera. And actually to this day, Raw Nationals 2014 is the smoothest training cycle I've ever had. I didn't have any real injuries or pain. I don't even think I had a day where I had to like take a, you know, like, like say, well, I'm going to back off a little bit today. Like I just was crushing weights the entire time. Um, and like, I'm, I'm watching, I'm like, I think I got a good shot at this. So it was myself, LS, and then actually who I was really worried about was Bryce Lewis because Bryce in training was absolutely destroying weights. And Bryce was probably the most well-rounded lifter out of the three of us. Cause you know, well, LS has progressed since then to where I consider him extremely well-rounded, obviously yeah. two-time world champion. Um, and Bryce won a world as well. This is yeah, crazy. Yeah, the, yeah. the names you're dropping are like, are like legendary now, which no, is funny. Gonna, we got some stories about these guys. It's going to be good. Like, okay, I, good. like before anybody, like there's no going to be no shit talking. I have nothing but respect for those guys. LS and I had an awesome rivalry. We, we had so much fun on the platform and he's an absolute sweetheart of a guy. Like there, 
Uh, tell me who else is going to be out there cheering for you while you're pulling to win against him. Like, yeah. like that's just the kind of dude Ellis is. Yeah. So anyway, but I do have some funny stories. Um, <laughs> so I'm watching Bryce. I'm like, man, he's the most well-rounded out of the three of us. Because Ellis, you know, he had pretty good squat, pretty good deadlift, but a monster bench. And then, but Bryce had like good squat, pretty monstrous bench and a good deadlift too. So I'm like, man, and actually, you know, um, this just goes to show you, anybody can be subject to this. I actually stopped following Bryce on social media, not because I was angry at him, but because I was kind of like, you know what? I need to focus on what I'm doing. And if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna continue to watch this and it's gonna get in my head, it's gonna affect me on meet day. And I tell everybody, all I care, all I do, this is, you're getting the Ben escrow talk now. We go six for six. We go six for six, and then we look at everybody else. We don't worry about looking at anybody else till we go six for six. Uh, everything, because when you start throwing out your game plan, that's where you make mistakes. Mm. And that served me very well during, during that part of my career. So I find out that there's gonna be 500 people at Raw Nats in 2014, and everyone's freaking out about it. In fact, I think they hadn't planned for that. And mm. so, that I think they were, they were like, and they were making a big deal about the fact that they were gonna have two platforms going at the same time, right? <laughs> I got like four platforms that go at the same time all day over, you know, a week at Raw Nationals. It's crazy. Um, so, you know, got in and warming up back in the room. It's funny. I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan Doris. I'm not he, sure I am. He competed for a while. Him and Ben were business partners for a while. And Ryan's a friend of mine. But um, so they were both handling me and I'm still from that bodybuilding background. So my first warm-up set, I take, you know, I slap two reds on and I do 10 reps and Ryan's like, what is he doing? <laughs> getting a pump gone. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to get a get pump gone, right? So anyways, we, we don't, Ryan doesn't really know anybody. I don't really know anybody. Ben kind of knows people, you know, he's done a few USAPL meets, but still, um, so we go out and I'd seen on the sheet. So Ben on his sheets, and I don't know how he does it now, but back then it was for each lift, we had a, a like low attempt, a what we thought it was gonna be, and then an aggressive attempt, right? And the attempt for squat was 650, was what he thought it was gonna be. And I remember seeing that a month out, like he sent that to me a month out and I'm like, even though I'd hit 640 in training, 650, which was only 11 pounds off the world record. The world record at the time was by, um, oh, who's it from the Ukraine? I can't remember his last name, but it's a very Ukrainian used, sounding name. Yeah, I used to know it. Uh, it's yeah, and he, he, yeah, he's he's beast. That was who Kristoff uh, beat back in uh, 2013 oh, to win the Worlds. Yeah, Boyani or... But yeah, uh, yeah. He, that was it. So he had... He had hit a 300 kilo squat and that actually stood as the world record for, I, I want to say over a year. So anyways, um, I'm like, man, that's only 11 pounds off the world record. Is he really from the strong, you know? So <laughs> this guy crazy. What's, what's great is, so we're doing, we're going through and things are going well, hit my first attempt, hit my second attempt. Gino, the, the announcer has no idea who I am. He's even asking people in the audience. You can hear him in the video. He's like, who is this guy? What? He's got a PhD? What? Like, 
So this is so crazy to hear now. Well, yeah. everyone knows who you are. Everyone knows you got a PhD. Everyone's like, Gino, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so, this is, it's such an amazing story to hear now. Yeah. I love Gino. Great guy. Um, yeah. Whatever we see, we high five, hug. He always roots for me. He's an awesome guy. I got some fun stories about him too. But uh, so anyway, for the, for the last attempt, 650, you know, we, before me, LS had gone and he did 606, which at the time was a PR for him. And I remember, you know, he, for, you know, LS doesn't really get like jacked up. He's more like grooving and smiling. And stuff. He like hit that and he comes back and him and his team are like, yeah, let's go. You know, they're, they're all fired up and everything. Ryan Doris and him and LS became really good friends. But Ryan Doris looks straight at me and goes, fuck that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause, and it's funny because I'm not like, I don't, like look at anybody and go, oh yeah, I'm gonna get them, that sort of thing. Like I, when people see me lift, they might think I'm angry, but I'm not, I'm just like passionate and fired up. Like that's, but I don't hate anybody. That's yeah. not what's going through my mind when I'm lifting. But yeah, Ryan's trying to get me jacked up, you know, about this guy showing me up, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, so anyways, we, we loaded up 650 and I still remember Gino, you know, it's like, like play by playing me backstage, like he's got the nose torque, he's got the chalk on him. <laughs> Here he comes. You're not in the fast lane. You're in the bio lane. And, uh, you know, when I, and to this day, I might have had more on that day for squat than any other day in my career because I absolutely smoked 650. It didn't even slow down. Um, so hit that. Then the rest of the meet went pretty smoothly, went three for three on bench. Uh, Bryce, I think, hit his first squat and then missed his next two. If you can imagine, like, Bryce missing a 580-pound squat, you know, yeah. Um, and then we got the deadlift and LS goes out and misses his first deadlift. I think the squat took a lot out of him. It was, it was a pretty big grinder for him. So LS misses his first deadlift. So I'm like, oh man, I'm going to win this on my opener pull, you know? So I go out way too jazzed up. I pull it too fast and I get off balance at the top and kind of up down it. And I get, I get reds and I'm like, look at, I'm like looking at Ben and I'm like, so now that, you know, that, that, that doubt starts creeping in, you know, you want me to play. So leading into this, um, I know I said that joke, that cheesy joke, you know, let's take a trip down memory lane, but, um, I actually went about pulling some clips from your YouTube, you back in 2014, exactly at this point, you talk about what's going through your head. Do you want me to play this for you right now? Uh, if you want, but I think I know what was going through my head. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, but it's like that seed of doubt, right? Like, so I'm super confident. I still remember like being in the warm up room, warming up on deadlifts, and I'm like, I got my shirt off, you know, because back then you could deadlift with you know no shirt or whatever. And I'm like, you know, I'm I'm fired up. I'm like, let's go, you know, like just super confident. And then you had that that one thing. It's like, oh man, like I gotta pull it perfect because. It's not like I had hitched deadlifts in training or whatnot, but this is my opinion. They're a little more ticky-tacky on sumo than they are on conventional. You can shake and whatnot on conventional, but if the bar doesn't go up down, you're good. On sumo, if you get a little off balance or something like that, I mean, you're usually going to get reds. They'll let it right. be slow, but you're usually going to get reds. So um, I, went, I went up, I think, I can't remember who went up to who. Either I went up to Ben or Ben went up to me. I think I went up to Ben. I said, I know that usually the rule, you know, the Matt Gary rule is if you miss your opener, you take it again. No, 
let, let's go up. We'll, I'll be fine, you know? And I think Ben had seen me train enough in person. He lived in Tampa at the time um, that he trusted, you know, that I had the strength and actually in a way, a little bit heavier weight slowed me down and probably helped me. Mm. So we went up to 661, I want to say, for my second. I hit that. So it was in a, a good position. But um, actually, um, Garrett, uh, what's the Bailey, I want to say, um, I think that's his last name, Garrett Bailey. So he has a, he had a huge pull and he was kind of, so he, we saw the attempt he put in and it would have, it was going to go to win the meet. Now it was a huge pull. I mean, it was like 40 pounds over. I think it was like 20 pounds over his PR or something like that. But we put in 683 and I'm kind of nervous. And Ben looks at me and Ben is such a master tactician at knowing exactly like what he needs to put in to make sure that you're going to beat the other guy. And he looks at me and goes, if you hit this, there's no way he can beat you. Went out, hit it. And it, it was kind of anticlimactic though, because I had to wait for, for Garrett to miss. Um, <laughs> yeah. you but, know, uh, but LS actually hit his third. I think he missed two. He did. He his he third and put pressure two. on you. Yeah, yeah, he hit, uh, I want to say 633 for his third. Um, and yeah, it did put a little bit of pressure on me. And um, so we, we were, we're thinking about LS. We're also thinking about uh, Garrett. Right. And, and Ben, of course, picks the perfect attempt. I'd hit 705 in training, but obviously, like, to win nationals, it's more like, what do you need? So we put on, and we had that one miss at the beginning. If we hadn't had that miss, it probably would have been different because we probably would have gone 650, 683 for a second or 672 for a second and then over 700 for a third. But it, it should have got the way it did. And that's the tough thing. When you're defending someone behind you who's trying to overtake, um, but also LS hit, so you can't, you have to be at best his, but not over best. And you're guessing if the other guy behind you, it's difficult, man. And it that's is. where Ben, Ben really shines. I'll remember, I'll never forget something Matt Gary said in a seminar one time. And I, I have said it over and over to other people. People think power things about finding out who the strongest person is. It is not. It is about who's finding out who is the best power lifter. Mm -hmm. The, all the two national championships I won, the Arnold I won and the silver medal I got at Worlds. I was not the strongest or second strongest person there. There, oh, there were wow. people who were stronger than me. The, the difference was I, when, it, when it comes to game day, I'm very confident in my ability to execute and for my coaches to make the right attempts, to not get caught up in, well, Lane wants a PR, so let's give him a PR. Yeah. You know, I, I, I still like, even like um, jumping ahead, but 2015 Raw Nationals, I hit 668 at Worlds, et cetera, et cetera. Ben puts in 661 for a third on squat. Um, and he kind of went up to me and he's like, listen, I know this is a little bit below your PR, but I was like, man, it's fine. It's still fucking heavy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not mad about this. Like, I understand like some days you just don't have it as, as, as good as it's been before, you know? So lifters really like some of the young lifters take, look at PRs as those things that when they're there, take them. But if they're not there, don't push it because you might end up sliding several places back because you're just being freaking hardheaded about right. needing to set a PR in a meet. I got a newsflash for you. You lift long enough. One day you're going to hit your last PR, you know, <laughs> um, and you lift long enough. And, you know, unless you're Ashton Ruska and you're PRing every week, you know, yeah. so at some point you're going to start to plateau. So, yeah. um, you know, we, we, we hit that deadlift. Uh, we wait for Garrett and, and I'm real nervous. And Ben's like, Ben just looks at me and goes, he's not going to get it. 
I'm like, I'm glad you're so confident. You know? <laughs> He's um, is like, but you know, he he misses it, and uh, that gets me the win. And immediately after the meet, you know, I'm, I'm, and this was the year that Blaine and Ray had the showdown too. So this was a really cool year, um, and that was the year that Blaine got the better of it at nationals. Um, and everybody's walking up to me like, are you going to do worlds? Are you going to do worlds? And I'm, I'm, I'm like, where are worlds? They're like, well, it's in Finland. And I look, I just look over Ben. I'm like, you want to go to Finland? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, I guess we're in, you know, cause I still don't, I still don't grasp the, the, the full kind of like what that means, you know? Do you think that helped to not get overwhelmed because it's happening so fast? I, a little bit. I will say, you know, this is going to sound arrogant, but I'm a gamer. Like when it comes to game day, I'm very confident in my ability to execute. Um, mm. But I do think like going into my first nationals, uh, the fact that I didn't fully grasp it, I, you know, also it was a 500 person nationals, not that small. That was like at the time, USAPL was freaking out about how many people they had there, you know? Uh, and then the next year it was a thousand. <laughs> and they were like, oh, we got to put some qualifying totals on this thing, you know? Because <laughs> um, I think previous to that, all you had to do was basically get a total in a meet, right? So we, I did that meet or did nationals and then I kind of I actually ended up stupidly doing like a local meet because I just felt like doing it. I uh, didn't do great at it. Um, not shockingly being 12 weeks after nationals. Um, <laughs> but the next one up was the Arnold and that was in 2015. And this is, this is like one of my favorite memories from, from that time period. So of course, after I win nationals, Literally two days later, I've got an email from Matt Gary that's about 18 paragraphs long. And he is, you know, he's basically, he's, he's pointing out who I'm gonna face at Worlds and who I'm gonna face at the Arnold and why, if I wanna set the World Squat record, I need to do it at the Arnold's because it's on my home turf. You know, it's, you don't have to fly overseas and deal with all the unknowns and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And man, my training cycle for that Arnold, I was, when I tell you I was destroying weights, I was destroying weights. I think my best lifts, I hit a 600 pound squat for five reps. Um, I, I hit like a 675 deadlift for four or five reps, I want to say. You know, obviously there's people out there now that are stronger than that. But at the time, that was like, people were, you know, freaking out about that. I remember this, dude. I yes. remember when you, it's funny how, when you're a powerlifting guy, you remember people's sets that they posted and people were like, holy shit, Lane hit this and people talking about it. Yeah, so it was very cool. And um, yeah, I mean, I was I was tracking for like a 683, 689 squat and like a, you know, low to mid sevens uh, dead. And then my last heavy training session before the Arnold, this is literally a week out because the Arnold was on a Friday when we were competing. And I, I finished my squats and was on bench press. And I remember thinking, man, my lower back feels kind of tight, you know, did the bench press. And then of course, like a freaking idiot went over and was like, well, got to get my deadlift sets in. So, you know, I did my deadlift sets with, I think it was like 610 for fours. I still remember which at the time was a, a deload oh. for me. My God. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. So that was my last heavy training session. And then the next day when I woke up, I, I like couldn't even get up off the floor. So th this is the first time I really, I don't know if it's the first time I herniated a disc in my lower back, but it was the, it was the aggravation of that for sure. I mean, I was very inflamed and I almost just called it right there. 
I'm like, you know, this is pointless. Like, I can't even stand up right now. Well, rested up, and I, I got to, I want to say it's Tuesday. So the meet's on a Friday. I'm on a Tuesday. I'm, I'm feeling better. It's still a little tight, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go in. If I can hit my openers, we're going to go. If I can't hit my openers, then we're, we're going to pull the plug, right? Because I also knew that, like, I was – there was only so many people that were allowed in and I didn't want to take somebody's spot who maybe could take that. And if they had a few days could get ready, you know? Right. Um, so when I hit my openers and I'm like, all right, I guess we're going to do this thing. Right. So I have no, and I remember it still, uh, Bryce walked up to me and he's like, so what do you, how do you think it's going to go? And I'm like, dude, I honestly have no idea. I might get out here and, and miss my openers and uh, who knows. Right. So, um, you know, Bryce didn't end up having a great meet against so that was kind of the second one in a row where he underperformed based on what he had been doing previously. Um, and I actually, he talked about that on a, on a recent episode. He did. I never realized because he said he, I think I don't want to mischaracterize, but he said he was like intimidated by me. He said he was intimidated. Uh, he, I think he, he even said he broke down and cried, I think on this podcast. Yeah, I did. So he actually came up to me after the Arnold and was just like, you know, I, like, I don't know where I'm going wrong, this and that. And I, I kind of talked to him for a little bit. I don't want to take any credit for this. He, I think what made the difference for him was we went out and hired a sports psychologist and he worked with Matt Gary. And having, I think he needed somebody other than himself or somebody close to him to pick those attempts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You need somebody, you need, at a meet, you need somebody who can be completely unemotional about your attempts. You, you need someone who can just pick the numbers and they are not attached to those numbers. Right? And the thing with Matt Gary, if ever you want a quote unquote big brother that in the world of powerlifting, like if you just handed the wheel to him and it's Matt fucking Gary, in terms of a legendary handler, this guy's head US coach so many years in a row. He's been powerlifting since like the eighties, nineties. The guy knows the stuff. Like in terms if confidence is an issue, walk into a powerlifting competition with Matt Gary holding your number sheet and you're going to be like, <laughs> and Matt Gary saying, you're going to be fine, son. You look yeah. right on track. I got this. You, if, you, if Matt called your attempt and you missed, it was either an execution error or it was an execution error because he does not. Or the hand of it. God came down and said, not today, son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, you're not going to miss based on strength for the most part with Matt. You know, right. he, he knows what you're capable of. Uh, now, the, the caveat to that is the third deadlift attempt. You know, if you have a chance to jump a spot, he'll get aggressive and sometimes he's not sure. But yeah. same thing with Ben. Ben's an amazing handler, amazing at att uh, attempt selection. Uh, both him and Andres, so Andres is my last coach. Uh, both him and Andres, great at attempt selection. I, I developed that rapport, especially with Ben over the years, was I knew that if Ben put it on the bar, I had the strength to do it. I just needed to go execute. And that, that comes into play here at Worlds, and I'm going to talk about that. But so I, I literally walk into the Arnold and have no idea how it's going to go, right? So we go out, hit my first two squats, thankfully. I think my second attempt was 634. I'm sorry, uh, overseas people, I'm using pounds. I apologize. Um, and I, I, so I forgot about the chipping, the world record, but I, um, I look at Ben after I hit the second, I say 666, which is 302 and a half. Plus I want to get Gino fired up, you know? Yeah. Um, anybody who's ever, if you guys have never been in a meet when Gino gets to call the uh, 302 and a half kilos, you're, you're missing out. Um, it means more in pounds, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I look at Ben and I say 666. 
And I'm back in the warm-up because the world record at the time is 661. I'm back in the warm-up room and I see 300 kilos go up on the board. And I'm like, wait a second. So I, I grabbed Ben and I'm like, hey man, uh, can we change that? Because that only ties the world record. And I literally see, literally saw all the color just drain out of Ben's face. In fact, Susie Hartwood Gary was out in the audience and I could hear her go, I could hear her go what is he doing? That's <laughs> no, like my email. What about my email? <laughs> you so, didn't read it. So Ben Ben goes to the scores table, but he knows the rules. He knows right. he can't change it. And so he comes back and he's like, well, uh, we're going to go for the win today. And so this is like, you have to understand, this is what I've been working for for almost a year was this yeah. squat record. And it was way better. Like Matt said, you want to do it at, on your home turf in Columbus. You don't want to have to go over to Finland and deal with all the unknowns. Right. And, you know, in five minutes, I had to go from being so disappointed <laughs> to realizing this is still heavier than any weight I've ever hit. 661 was still a PR for me. Right. So I'm like, I'm thinking, if you don't pull your shit together, you're going to miss this. And you're not, you're not going to win. And this whole thing will have been for nothing, right? So <laughs> I basically gave myself a pep talk and was like, pull your shit together because 99% of lifters, I don't know, I told myself this, it's probably wrong, but I said 99% of lifters would miss this now because they'd be so disappointed about not having a shot at the world record. And I just thought to myself, show me why you're different. Mm -hmm. And I went out there and it was probably about a five second concentric, but I got it. <laughs> I got, I got Again it. with the bodybuilding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just tempo squats, right? Um, but man, I, there was actually a video from the back of the room I didn't really like the Arnold is such a, I love worlds. The Arnold is such a cool experience. It's such a cool experience. Cause there was a video from the back room and you see the whole room explode when I hit that squat. It was yeah. awesome. So, okay. So things are good going into uh, bench. I end up missing my third bench. Um, ben felt like he got too aggressive. Uh, he called for 397, which would have been a PR for me. And, um, but I think I just didn't execute it well. Actually, funny enough, my opener on bench, I go out there, go down and press it. I did not listen for the press command at all. I just went based off tempo. It was like my, my mind was just somewhere else. Like I just went on autopilot I, and I got two to one whites to reds. Oh, you tempoed I, it right. <laughs> I, yeah. And I like, I'm like, I look up at the, cause I'm getting up off the bench. And I'm like, oh shit, I just, I didn't get red lighted on this. And I see two whites and I'm like, oh, I'll take that. You, know? yeah, like, you tempoed it. You just happened to have been dancing to the same beat. That's all. Yeah, that's so, all that was. We're on the same tempo. That's my tempo. So Gino comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, was I too loud? Or was the music too loud? I'm like, no, man, I just kind of, uh, <laughs> I just kind of jumped it, you know? And the head judge came up to me and he, he, he goes, he goes, I know you jumped that press command. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like. He's like, he's like, the, the other two judges didn't see it, but I saw it. And I look over at Ben, he goes, you're about to get the longest pause command in the history of powerlifting. Oh, no. So anyway, went out at my second, um, missed my third. That might've been that three second pause, who knows? Um, but see, that's why I say, you know, you win some, you lose some, right? Yeah. You call on squat depth one time, another time you get one that you shouldn't have gotten, right? Yeah. Um, so comes down to deadlift. And LS hit some really good deadlifts for him. I, 
I want to say he hit upper sixes, which which was really good for him um, at that time. Now he's obviously done well over 700 pounds. Um, so we get to the last lift and LS and I are tied, right? And our body weights are exactly the same. That's insane. Now, again, I did the same thing I did at Nationals. I missed my first one. I missed my first one on deadlift. So I've had back-to-back -back misses. I missed my third bench. I missed my first deadlift. And Ben does the same thing. He's like, we're going to go to 661. We're, we're, we're going to go up, you know? Or I think it was actually 672 he went to. So I go to 672, hit it. That ties me with LS. So going into last deadlift, I'm tied. Ben adds 10 kilos. And he's like, I know you're good for this. You'll be fine, you know? So this is like, this is the only, this is one of the only times I've ever pulled for a win on the last pull, right? Because at, at Nationals previously had to, you know, um, I had to wait for, for Garrett to miss. So went out and, you know, LS in the video, you can see him. He's over on the side, like whooping people up, getting people like fired up. It's like, come on, get behind him, you know, that sort of thing. And that, you know, again, that just shows you what kind of guy LS is. You know, he, he just, he just loves to compete. So anyway, hit that, won the Arnold. And that was like, it was a 694 deadlift, which, it, you know, my total was kind of disappointing because of what I had been training for. But considering a week out, I couldn't even move off my floor. I was very happy. I you remember know? you video, you stomping on the platform after you pulled that and you were like overjoyed to say you're happy. Oh. I still remember you were like, I remember thinking, cause we didn't know the background story of yeah. you know, what happened leading up to it. Yeah. So one of my two favorite moments from powerlifting, uh, both of them involved Ben Escrow. And it's not even anything to happen on the platform. So we go out, we, you know, we, we get um, award presentation, all that kind of stuff. Um, I talked to Bryce backstage a little bit and then I go back and I see Ben and Ben is in the corner because he's an introvert and he's like, like tearing up. And I'm like, Hey man, you, you all right? He's like, how fuck did you just do that? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you couldn't even walk last week. He's like, how did you just do that? I'm like, I don't know, man, you can do it, you know, like we figured it out. So then the next week. Um, I actually, my back after that meet was not feeling very good in a separate part. And I went to bodybuilding.com like a week or two later to film for uh, PH3, the program that, that became very popular on bodybuilding.com. And uh, in fact, Angelo used that program for a while. The 83, the 83 kilo lifter is tearing stuff up now. He used to call me coach. He's like, I'm using your program coach, you know, now yeah, yeah, that kid's that. nuts. Um, so I did a lot of like repeated takes for the program. By the end of that week, my back was, was not feeling good. So I ended up having to take like almost, I want to say four to, I can't remember exactly, but it was like four to six weeks off of squatting and deadlifting. And that brings, really... so June, sorry, June is worlds, March, am I right? right. So we're talking yeah. into April. We, we, you don't got a lot of time at April, May, like that's it. I didn't start squatting again until about four and a half weeks out from Worlds. Oh, so, no. So, yeah. So, here, here's where it gets good. Now, again, after the Arnold, I get an email from Matt Gary, about of course. 18 pages long. <laughs> and, Matt is, <laughs> and Matt's putting out all the names of everybody that's going to be in my class, their strengths, their weaknesses, all this kind of stuff. And at the end of it, I will never forget this. Um, probably, if you want to fire me up, Matt Gary knew how to do it. Uh, at the end of it, he said, 
you have a chance to medal, but you need to be perfect. If you miss a lift, you're going to be off the podium. Train like your life depends on it. And I was like, oh, don't, don't tell me that. Don't, don't tell me that. Like, so a month out, I started squatting and deadlifting again. But again, I'm also an idiot, just like any other lifter. And I think I'm Superman or I thought I was Superman. So I had scheduled a European seminar tour for nutrition a month out from Worlds, like just stupidly. So I had, I had just started, uh, restarted and I flew over to Denmark, did not sleep the night before my seminar because of the time change, and then was on my feet all day giving lectures and then went to do my, 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 my second or third squat session back. I think my third squat session back. And I, I had programmed in, or it had been programmed, I was going to do 565 for doubles, and then I was going to do uh, an AMRAP set or as many reps as possible. And I got to the last set, and I went down, and I failed. Failed 565 for one, <laughs> right? And I, I posted the video that day, I'm pretty sure, of me failing that. Because I've always been somebody who's kind of like, I want to talk about the bad shit while it's happening because nobody talks about while it happens, right? Everybody talks about afterwards Yeah. because nobody, I'll tell you why nobody talks about injuries. People don't talk about injuries, mostly in powerlifting. They just kind of go away for a while and then they come back. Right. Um, and they don't talk about like, like most people don't talk about missing reps because one, you don't want to show your, you know, your opposition weakness, you know, whatever that is. And two, you don't want to hear from every fucknut in the comments about why you got injured, why it's your fault, you know, what you can do to rehab, like all this kind of stuff, right? So anyway, I post this video and you can like see my face after I miss this lift. And I, I, I'm texting Ben because like I said, I'm in Denmark. And I'm like, man, we just like, what's the point of even going to Worlds? Like, I don't want to take somebody's spot who could go over there and actually do well. And Ben's like talking me down. He's like, listen, just put the pieces together. You want a plane for eight hours. You did not sleep. You're on your feet all day. Like, let's just, maybe we have to make that call, but we don't have to make it right now. You know, let's trust yeah. me. If you, if you drop out of world, somebody will take your spot if they get, you know, two weeks of notice. So anyway, kept training um, and things of course started to improve and a week out from worlds, Ben, Ben just knew how to press the right buttons. He's like, we're going to go in and we're going to go aggressive today. He's like, this is going to be your last heavy session, but we're, he's like, I want you to work up to like a second attempt. He's like, you need to feel that. You need to know that, that you have the strength for this. So I actually ended up, um, I hit, we did a 600 pound first attempt and then a 640 second attempt. And I hit 640. If I can hit 640 in the gym, like I remember as soon as I hit that, I thought that world record's mine. You went from no squatting four weeks out to only a week out. That's only three weeks. Uh, it was like it was like four weeks I had to really okay. train squat and deadlift. S- still not much, man. That's not many sessions. Yeah, and, and especially when you were used to doing it as often as I was. I mean, I was squatting like three, four times a week, you know, and then going to nothing, you know. I, now I did, you know, I kept doing leg press. I kept doing some stuff I could do, right, to like maintain that um, hypertrophy. But it's still it's like getting back and used to the movement, you know, that yeah. confidence. When you do it all the time, you just get real confident with it. So we we fly over to Finland, and here's another thing: if I can give some young lifters some advice from this old man, like if you're going to do worlds or nationals or something like that, you're already spending so much money. Get there early. 
get used to the stuff, right? Like when I went over there, I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to have this chance again. By the time I went to Worlds, I got it. I got how big of a deal it was, right? I don't know if I'm <laughs> ever going to get this chance again. So I, I was lifting on Saturday. I got there on Monday, right? Like, and I we got blackout curtains for the hotel room, you know, because in Finland in the summer, it's like light until, I don't know, 1 a.m. And then it just, it, it gets kind of duskish and then it gets bright again. It's bright at <laughs> 3 a.m. It gets cloudy. Yeah, and it's like, you know, you, like for another example, I took my own scale over there, right? My, my weight scale. First thing I did once we, we got food off the plane, all that kind of stuff, I went, weighed in on my scale, went straight to the meat, waited for, you know, or, or found the, the meat scale, got on it, and there was a discrepancy. My scale was actually heavier. Did that because I'm like, okay, now I know what the discrepancy is. Now I know how my weight can be on point, right? Mm -hmm. Because like we had somebody who went over as part of the team and missed weight. I'm like, how do you go that far and miss weight? Yeah. No. Yeah. So I want to make sure that was on point. Like right down to, I, I went out like in between sessions and I stood on the on the platform I was going to be on and looked out. I'm like, where am I going to look when I squat? Like right down to that, right? I went and found where the bathrooms were. I went and found everything Holy in that area. I, was, I visualized everything. I even went and I was like, I double checked to make sure that my friends and everybody who came to watch me had all the passes. And it turns out there was actually an issue with that. But the reason I did that was because I didn't want to get there on meet day and have, the, you're already going to be stressed out. I didn't want to be stressed about dumb shit. You know what I mean? So I took care of all that. I went and watched a little bit of the meet, like the days up, but the day before the meet, I didn't go anywhere near it. I did not want to spike that adrenaline. I didn't want to do anything like that, right? I just sat in my hotel room did a little bit of walking around, a little bit of rehab work, foam rolling, whatever, watched Game of Thrones all day, you know, <laughs> and, and just, and just, and just visualized, just thought about it. And uh, so anyway, we, we get out there for worlds. I realize I'm telling a really long story, but there's a, I there's do like it though. Well, real quick, I actually like this and I want to ask you real quick. Okay, first off, a lot of like MMA fighters do exactly what we did. They go to the day before, they go down to the octagon, they check it out. It actually alleviates nerves. The sports psychologists say, if you can get to the venue the day before, that's you're, you're doing, I don't, you didn't even go to a sports psychologist, but you do this naturally, but this is what they, they tell you to do. But when you do the visualization, um, do you visualize different scenarios or are you always hitting? I'm always hitting. So I'm, 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 I'm always hitting. Uh, to me, the I wanted to do well overall, but if I'm being honest, that world record was really what I wanted, right? I, I wanted to do really well, but I also knew that like, you know, I, I'm not delusional. If Christoph pulls his opener, that the meet's over. You know, everybody's fighting for second. But I also like I got the I thrive off like the underdog role too. Like that's I love that when people kind of count me out. Actually, it was funny. Um, do, do you listen to Mind Pump? You ever heard of those guys? Yeah. So Sal Stefano. We're, Sal's a good friend of mine. He said on a podcast, like, if you if you hate Lane, what you need to go do, instead of hating on him on his Instagram, you need to tell him everything that he's doing well. Because <laughs> when you hate on him, all you do is make it easier for him to work even harder. And that he nailed me. That's exactly what it is. So I'm reading the magazine, and I see that I'm predicted to finish seventh. And I'm seventh? Like, oh. Yeah. I'm like, oh. All right. Well, I'm that's where I'm projected, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay, we'll see, let's see. You know what I mean? 
So, and I remember Matt's, you know, you gotta be perfect. And up to this point, I had never gone nine to nine, nine for nine to meet. Not one, not at a local meet, nothing. Never gone nine for nine. I always had like one little snafu. So we get there um, the day of, we're warming up. And, and like I said, I did all that extra stuff because to me, it was like, I don't, I don't want to have something stupid throw me off, right? Like I, I don't want to have any surprises. I want to get there and be stressed about the thing I should be stressed about, not some yeah. other dumb shit, right? Yeah. So even, so great example, I got the last lot number, right? So I'm last person to weigh in. Now, the way I, the way I program things, I'm underweight the day before because I want to be able to eat up to the meat. And I, I have this, I have this down to a science and we can talk weight cutting if you want later. Um, but I'm sitting there getting, getting ready to weigh in and I'm already eating. I'm eating, I'm drinking water and Susie Gary looks at me and she's like, uh, <laughs> you, you sure that's a good idea? And I'm like, Susie, I, I know what you're thinking, but I got this. Somebody already missed weight too. That's what makes the story even better. Right. So I ended up weighing in super light. I weighed in at 201 and a half. I was like 91.5 kilos, right? So anyways, but I'd already been eating. I'd already been visualizing everything because when you're the last lot number, you're the last person to weigh in like, and worlds went fast that year. I think my group was done in two and a half hours. Like it oh, was wow. fast. Um, and so I only had about an hour and 45 minutes to warm up, but I had all that stuff taken care of, right? So I was already fueled up, ready to go. I didn't even eat anything extra throughout the meet. It went so fast. Um, so we're, we're, we're warming up and all that kind of stuff. And I hit my last warm up. And if you know, Ben, he doesn't give out compliments. Very rarely does he give out compliments. And we're walking down the stairs. So were you at Finland? I was not. Okay. So there was the warm up room was actually upstairs. It was like a, this big facility is really nice. Um, and then you walk downstairs to go into kind of the like pre lift area. And then, like, I'm getting butterflies just talking about this stuff. So Don't cool. you fucking love it, Lane? <laughs> I love it. Um, and then there was, like, a little, like, narrow hallway that they kind of made up where if you were next, you stayed in there and you waited for the guy to tell you, you know, the bar is loaded. So, anyway, we're walking down the stairs and Ben looks at me and goes, you've got this today. That record's yours. And I'm like, I know Ben would not say that if he did not mean it, Right. So this is before bar velocity devices being brought to meets, all that kind of shit. This has just been, he eyeballed it, saw it. And he's like, Lane's going to get this shit. So I go out, hit my first squat, which was like, uh, I want to say like 606 or 611. And I actually got one red light. Still to this day, we don't know what the red light was for. Uh, my first two attempts got a single red light. I think it was the Iranian side judge. We still don't know what they're for. Like I, there was no way I missed depth. Like if you, if you'd seen those squat attempts, they were deep. I was not going to miss that world record on death. <laughs> so anyway, world records, 300 kilos, 661. We go back after the, after the second attempt and I'm like, okay, Ben's going to throw up, you know, 662 or 300 and a half. And I look up on the board and there's 303. And I'm like, Ben, you realize if I miss this, I don't even get a medal on squat. So it's, it's gold enough. And you actually, if you go back, you can still pull up the, um, the actual play-by-play -play, and you can hear uh, her say, it's gold medal or nothing. So uh, I looked at Ben and I'm like, you know, I, I know, I don't want to question, but are you sure about this? And he looks at me and he goes, you've got this today. 
<laughs> it was it was part of that Matt Gary strategy where you always take the the half kilo jump no matter what right because at the end it makes somebody else take a two and a half kilo jump if they've got to beat you and this actually worked out in our favor so go out for 303 and I remember being in that staging area and I'm listening to my music in that hallway and I, I'm thinking to myself as soon as they say bars loaded that is like I, I'm gonna run out of here like I got shot out of the cannon because I am so fucking jacked up for this lift. Like I am ready. I'm, I'm not nervous. I know I'm going to hit it. I'm just excited to get it done. And man, they said bar is loaded. And it was like that. If you, if you pull up the video, you could see me. I charge out there like a bull. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, get, I think there was probably 58 seconds on the bar when I unracked it, you know, like, <laughs> I, I got out there in about half a second, you know, well, you in a cab of, waiting. You're like, you're like, you're like <laughs> <laughs> so go out and, I mean, I went so deep on that squat. My spotters were below parallel. <laughs> even the Iranian judge is like, ah, yeah, I got, I got three whites on that. Yeah, even he's like, God damn, I was going to take it from you, son. But you guys, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, and that was just like, you know, to, to work from that, you know, where it was like, okay, didn't get it at the Arnold's, had that back injury, you know, then, you know, missing, you know, I missed 100 pounds. Like, like when I missed that 565 squat, Four weeks out, can you imagine what's going through my mind? This is a hundred pounds less than I need to squat, yeah. and I missed it. You know, like when they say you got to have a short memory, what they say <laughs> about great quarterbacks, they got to have short memories, right? You go out and throw the pick, you got to come right back and march your team down the field, right? Yeah. So hit that, went to bench. Bench actually went a little bit, um, didn't go great for me. I actually hit like five kilos under my best, but we were, we always play conservative with bench because it's a lot easier to squeak two and a half kilos out of a deadlift than it is out of a bench press. And yeah. they were giving really long pauses for bench press to this day, still the longest pause I've ever had. So we get the deadlift. So I, I finished squats in first place after after bench, I'm in 11th place, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's an ebb and flow here. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's between, we know it's going to be between me, David Cambria from Brazil. And then, um, can't remember the lifter's name from France. So we're all in that two to four range, but there's a few other people that, you know, could sneak in if, 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 if somebody made a mistake. LS being one of them, I believe he was there as well. Yeah. So LS was in the mix. Yeah. He was, yeah. I think LS actually got fourth. I think, I think he, he did as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we, we go out and like, I'm warming up on deadlifts and here's again, my first set put plate on do or my first warm up set, do five reps. And Susie Gary's like, are you trying to get a pump? What are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, listen, Susie, I've got my process, all right? <laughs> like, I got to get my quads ready. There's a lot of people here, Susie. <laughs> I'm a bodybuilder. I'm about to go ahead and flip the little bicep. You know, That's, right. That's right. So, um, yeah, we, we, we go out. And to this day, that is the lightest deadlifts have felt for me. Uh, I, I remember thinking, okay, you've missed. You know, I've, I've missed my first attempt on deadlifts in my last two big meets, right? So I'm just thinking, okay, just go out and pull it slow. It doesn't matter if it's slow because I'm also thinking don't bomb because then the world record doesn't count, right? Right. So I go out and I, I'm literally, my thought was with 650, I'm like, I'm just going to barely push the floor, just go nice and easy, don't care if it's slow. And it, it felt like nothing. It felt like an empty bar. Got to the top, got three white lights, and I'm like, okay, world record. So <sighs> for the world record secure, I look at Ben and I go, Turn me fucking loose. <laughs> ben, ben just, Ben just like nods. He's like, you know. And um, it's not said. 
Yeah, so 683 for a, for a second attempt, smoke that. So then Ben loads up, I think, or he puts in uh, 330. And we make Cambria take a big leap. I think he, he went to, oh, I can't remember the kilogram, but it was uh, 750 he had to put on. And again, this is where this two and a half kilo thing comes in, right? So as we get closer, uh, we back mine off to uh, uh, 322 and a half, so 711 pounds. Go out, smoke that, and that's, you know, so I'm guaranteed a bronze now. And it just depends on what's going to happen with, because the French lifter missed his deadlift before me. Now it depends on what's going to happen with Cambria. Cambria goes out, misses the deadlift, doesn't even get it off the floor. So we've got silver, me and Ben are, you know, elated. We're jumping around, acting like stupid little kids, you know. So here's a funny story. There was um, a gal who had been to one of my camps in Canada. She was actually, her name was Carla. And she, um, she was one of the, on the Canadian team. And she sees Christoph. Christoph misses his third deadlift. And she starts going nuts. She's like, holy fucking shit, Lane, you just won Worlds. And I'm like, I'm like, um, actually Christoph won in this opener. But uh, I appreciate that you thought I was that close. So um, that was that was pretty funny. But um, my my all time favorite powerlifting memory is go up, get drug tested, all that kind of stuff, do the ceremony, all that stuff. And I'm, I'm going back into the the pre lift area to get some of my stuff like chalk and nose torque and wraps and all that kind of jazz. And Ben's sitting on a stool and he's crying like he's bawling his eyes out. And I'm like, man, what? same thing. I'm like, what's up, man? We fucking did it. And he looks at me and he goes, how the fuck did you just do that? He's like, you were the skinny kid on bodybuilding.com with chicken legs that everybody made fun of. And you just squatted a world record in the biggest powerlifting meet in history. <laughs> Which at that time, I think I think it probably was. Um, they've been bigger meets since. but And I just kind of looked at him and shrugged and I'm like, well, that's what we trained for, right? You know? So that's did, did like... Did it dawn on you though? Like in terms of um, oh, like yeah. this this ride for you, Lane from somewhat powerlifting obscurity to national champion, Arnold Classic champion, and then taking a world record at the World Championships and taking a silver overall, not even a year. Like yeah. that's insane wave you were on. It's a pretty good run. <laughs> that's an it's an, an excellent run. Not only that all the ups and downs and adversity you'd face. And then leading into that, the fact that you actually thought maybe I shouldn't go. And this is what I like about your, the part of your story. And you're like, and Ben's like, it'll, it'll turn around. Let's go. If you didn't go, you didn't know the doors close open and close on you like that. Um, anyways. Yeah. Phenomenal year. Yeah, man. And, um, and you know, one thing that I think I do pretty well is I give myself credit. And people will call that arrogance, they'll call it cocky, whatever. Listen, I've seen so many competitors that are just so focused on that next thing. They're like, oh, you know, what I did just now doesn't matter. It's that next thing. And it's like, man, you can be fucking miserable if that's your mindset. Like, yeah, you can drive towards high achiever, but like, what good is doing all this stuff if you don't enjoy it? Yeah. So like, I did, like I soaked it in, you know, all that kind of stuff. And two weeks later, I'll never forget this. I was on vacation in the Florida Keys. And I love fishing. That's like my, that's my other thing where I deep plug, right? I'm sitting on my boat, fishing. And I'm just thinking about everything. And, and I just, I, I like literally tell myself, I'm like, damn, Lane, you did a good fucking job. That was, that was <laughs> like, that was the best nine for nine. Never gone nine for nine before. Did it on the biggest stage I possibly could have, right? I'm like, yeah. damn, good job, you know? 
So I let myself have that. And then I'm like, all right, now let's get ready for nationals. Right. And kind of had that, that same thing. Now that year, Jesse Norris was competing and that was a big deal. Right. Massive. Um, I remember memes coming out of crowds of people. And the meme said, when people find out Jesse Norris is coming to us for nationals. (laughs) And it was like me, it was, people don't understand how the hype behind that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of looked at people, I had people message me like, why are you even bothering going? And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can't beat him. Maybe it's absolutely impossible for me to beat him. But you know what? We'll decide that on the platform. Not because I was a fucking coward and didn't show up. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I have a title to defend. Yeah, what's the point of only showing up to a meet that you know you're going to win? Like, plus, I got something to prove to myself. Doesn't matter what, about you. I got something to prove to myself, right? So go out and uh, went nine for nine at that meet as well. Hit a total PR. Didn't PR any one lift, but hit a total PR. And again, had actually two weeks out, had aggravated that back injury. So it's almost like my body's like, well, let's make his back hurt and that'll get him ready for a PR, you know? <laughs> um, so did that. And, um, you know, Jesse, Jesse won. He didn't have the greatest meat for him, but he won. And, um, you know, he, uh, he ended up uh, failing a drug test, not for steroids, but I think it was for... Um, uh, a stimulant. It was a stimulant. Here's the thing. Also noted, like you, you hit not only did you go nine for nine again, you hit your first 800 kilo total, yeah. uh, which took you a long time to get back. Like that's why these significant things, if you didn't go, you never would have hit your 800. Um, and you ended up later on coming back. We'll get, I don't want to jump ahead on your story because the yeah. comeback's a good comeback, but you hit your 800, you, you put some nails in coffin, so to speak that if you don't show up and then opportunities like if you you ended up making a national team all over again now yeah i'm not going to tell your story again because we'll get into it but still those doors opened up and they wouldn't have if you didn't show up so when you have that attitude of what's the point no 800 kilo no national team no you gotta try sort it out in the field it's like the achilles that's why no one will remember your name that's right like you're too afraid people it's like I tell this to, to people in nutrition too. I'm like, it's like, it's like you want to be guaranteed a result if you do the work. Like it's yeah. like, you'll do the work as long as a result is guaranteed. I'm like, guess what kiddies? There's no guaranteed results. You might work as hard as you possibly can. And it might, you might never get that big goal, but I'll promise you one thing, you get a lot fucking farther than you would have if you didn't try at all. Yeah. You know? And you'll learn some stuff about yourself. You know, I learned so much through my lifting, right? And even now, like I'll get people like, why are you still trying to come back? You know, like the game's passed you by this and that. And I'm like, well, maybe, but we'll find out, you know, like, cause I'm willing to empty the tank. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, yeah, they're probably right. What's the point? You know, yeah. like, fuck that. Like, even if it doesn't work out, whatever, I'll learn some stuff about myself and I'll have a good time doing it. Cause I'm, there is not, if you've ever seen me train, anybody's ever seen me train. I love to compete. All, I love to train. I love training fucking love it, right? If I can put a barbell on my back and squat with low pain, God, I'm a happy man. You know what I mean? That's like, that's my church right there. If you're you're a painter and someone's telling you, well, I'm not, your your art isn't going to go in this gallery anymore. It doesn't make the cut for that gallery. You're like, so you want me to stop painting? I love painting. That's insane to me. And you as a person are stronger. In 2019, you hit your PR total. It's like, Okay, this isn't necessarily for you though. My whole life since then has been, I've been living my life day to day. I gotta live my life every single day and I'm stronger than I've ever been and I feel great. 
that's my vindication, man. I, yeah. if, I, if I got likes or some comments, you know, people lose that site, right? If you're just doing for that. Yeah, it's so funny to watch like the competitive social media. It's almost like, well, if you can't be a world champion, then you're trash and you should probably just quit. Right. You know, yeah. it's like, what are you talking about, man? I've, I've seen kids like teenagers be more elated at hitting a deadlift PR at a local meet than somebody who won worlds. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. yeah, the stage is different, but the feeling is still the same. You Feel it's I mean? feeling bad. Yeah. So, so I, I obviously I, you know, I, I, I find out that, you know, Jesse failed and, you know, it's not the way anybody wants to win nationals. It's not the way I want to win nationals, but I'm not going to comp- you know, complain about getting another chance to go back to world. So, yeah. And it's going to be in my, it's going to be on the USA in 2016. You know, a lot of stuff was looking good. Well, about that time, my whole life fell apart, went through, uh, started going through a divorce, um, had a lot of business stuff crash down on me. Um, that's, that's a whole another podcast, uh, that, that could be done on that stuff. But, um, basically high stress level. And I ended up incurring a hip injury, um, uh, in my prep for worlds. And again, you know, older, wiser, um, instead of, you know, taking some time off or just, you know, reducing my range of motion or, you know, modifying tempo, I stupidly kept trying to train through it. But at the same time, I tell people, I'm like, man, it's such a fine line. People are like, Oh, I bet you wish you didn't train the way you did. I'm like, you know, but th- that mentality, that's what you need. Like you need that mentality that you're, you're not, a, like I tell people like, I'm not afraid to die under a fucking barbell. Like, I know that sounds weird and stupid, but like when I go out there to squat like that, I'm going to fuck, I'm, I'm squatting it or I'm going to die. That's, you know, like the Will Smith thing, right? Like, I don't know, I'm going to get this or I'm going to die. Now I'm not really going to die because there's spotters there, but that is the mentality. If you want to, no sane person puts, you know, 600 plus pounds on their back and says, yeah, this seems like a good idea. You know what I mean? So um, I kept trying to, to push through that. I just got so, it got so bad to the point where like, I couldn't even, I even got two cortisone shots in my hip, didn't do anything. Um, and still to this day, pulling out of 2016 worlds is the most painful, like athletic experience I've ever had. Like it was, but I could have kept trying to fight through it. And, you know, maybe I could have gotten to a point where I was okay because by the time worlds happened, I was training again it was, and I was going okay. But I looked at it like that'd be so unfair to somebody who could go and actually have a shot. And as it turned out, was that the year LS won or was it the next year? Um, he won 2017, but I remember yes, the, the video year. when you said this though, the point still stands, whether like somebody still enjoy, got to go and compete and go to yeah. the world championships where they actually felt everything you felt, whether they came in, you know, first, second, third, fifth, man, it is a freaking, it's one, it's, you never know if that door is going to ever open back up for you. And for that person, you, you were like, essentially, I, I, I mean, I remember you saying this in your video saying, I'm not taking away if I know I'm not actually competing. I'm just showing up to show up when someone can actually go there and hit PRs, wherever it stands for them, they're going to, they're going to have those moments. How am I going to take that? You know, knowing I'm just showing up there for high fives and stuff. Right? And, and that's, and that's kind of what I wrestled with for a long time. It was like, you know, maybe I can get good enough to like, you know, get in the mix and maybe somebody misses some lifts, this and that. But, you know, and I'm not saying that my personal personal ethos or like that ethical part, that's better. Like somebody, if they went, because there's guys who have done it, who have done, have gone, you know, when they were, you know, kind of a shell of themselves and gone. 
I'm not saying that I'm better than them. I'm just saying for me and what I believe, it just, I, I felt like I'd be doing the wrong thing. And then like over the next few years, I mean, that dogged me. I, I, I had that hip injury and then that got better. And then I had a lower back injury mm-hmm. and that, that, um, and then I had come almost all the way back. And then actually before 2017 nationals where I competed, uh, I got seven, but part of that was because I took a token bench. Cause I actually, I didn't realize at the time I had partially torn my left pec. Oh my I didn't, God. I did not realize that until this year when I died it down, got really lean. And I'm like, Hmm, that pec looks different than it did years ago. And oh, so I, I figured out that I had actually, um, you know, that by being that lean, I could see where it indented further in. So I'd actually, I went and did nationals in 2017 with a partially torn pec. Oh, wow. Um, but I just took my opener there, but I hit a 716 pound pull. And that was when my life was, that was at the like height of the turmoil of my life. And just that one pull, hitting that one PR, it was like, I, I came back when all these people said I should retire. And then I, you know, was past my, you know, I shouldn't, you know, give it up, all that kind of stuff. And it was like, man, if I can get through that, like, well, it's got to get through. Well, <laughs> funny enough, uh, injured my back again, or, or depending on, you know, I've learned a lot about pain science over the last couple of years and, you know, um, whether it was a new injury or just re-aggravation of the old injury, I think it's probably just re-aggravation of the old injury. Uh, that one, I didn't put a barbell on my back for seven or eight months after that happened. That was in December of 2017. So that was like, I'm going through a divorce. Um, I just had lost my supplement company. I got kicked out of another company that I helped start. I can't even lift heavy because my back's injured. Like this is the lowest of, I owed more to attorneys than I could write a check for at the time. Like at the point, like, you know, we don't got to get into the weeds here, but that is everybody. It was the brink like, for me. It was the, the brink. The older you get, the I know when you're younger, sometimes you go through some tough stuff. You're like, wow, that was pretty tough. That was pretty tough. But then there'll be some points where you start getting older and you go through some serious tough where you're like, holy shit. Like, like when you said the brink, you only know this through experience as time goes by. Anybody who tells you like, no, man, I've been pretty lucky. It's like, stick around because there's no <laughs> way you, nobody escapes this, this life unscathed. Yeah. This you know, coming. and um, when you, when you talk on this, I remember you made a post about, um, I forget what it was. And I took a screenshot and I remember mentioning it to you like this one hit and you were essentially talking like, I remember I was in the worst part. And I would look in the mirror and I had no reason to think this was going to turn around. And I still told myself anyways, you, you can do this. You've done it before. You prove them wrong again. Don't worry. And you, I you were almost, oh yeah. yeah. And I took inspiration from like, like it sounds funny, but when you're desperate and you're staring at yourself talking out loud like this, that's a desperate person, right? And it's tough, man. It's uh, eventually everyone's gonna find themselves in these situations and it's tougher than you were this close to coming back and it gets taken from you all over again. So you're just as close, this is it, I'm back. Right back away from you. Back to zero. Back yeah. to zero. So, yeah, so um, I mean, I, like literally, the, like I would get up in the mornings there's probably a two month stretch where I get up in the mornings and I'd play a motivational speech just to like get myself out of bed. I'd have it on the shower and I would just sit there and go, you're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. You're not, cause you're not dead. So you're going to get to the other side of this. You just gotta, I just kept telling myself, you just gotta keep your feet moving, keep your feet moving. And that's like, like fuck lifting. That was like, we just trying to like, 
me and Holly, we, we worked till like 3 a.m. just trying to, you know, keep enough money together so that we could pay attorneys to, to fight with my former company um, to, to, to where I could get paid what my shares were worth. Um, it was a long, messy, you know, business divorce there. Um, but, you know, eventually it started clearing up. And it, it's funny how that works out. It's like, in my experience, it's like, you know, they say it's darkest before the dawn and, and it's, you know, it's very cliche, but shit, if it hadn't been true a few times in my life, I'd be, I'd be lying to you. Um, so, you know, things started clearing up, started being able to get back to train again. When I say I started squatting again in May of 2018 with an empty barbell, I mean, I started squatting with an empty barbell. You know what I mean? And yeah, not figuratively, like literally. That was... Yeah, exactly. So I, I put my sights on 2019 nationals and it was kind of like one of those things where I'm like, you know, I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 231 class only from the perspective of I had kind of been around like 215, 220. And I'm like, you know what? I'm coming back from this injury that might, might've ended my career. I'm going to, I'm just going to focus on being strong. I'm not going to focus on trying to, to cut down and all that kind of stuff. And, um, so, you know, I just, I, um, I decided to go up to 231 and as I'm, you know, getting ready for nationals and all that kind of stuff, I, I did a meet and it was, it wasn't token lifts, but I mean, it was, you know, I think I told them like just under 1600 pounds, you know, it was enough to qualify me for nationals, but not enough to nearly enough to get me into prime time or anything like that. But I remember going in and I did the same thing. I'm like, okay, I'm ranked 37th right now. <laughs> you know, former two-time national champion, ranked 37th. You know, let's let's see if I can break the top 10. You know, that was kind of like, put my sights on that. And, uh, you know, um, um, I really like, you know, I, I, I have two kids. Um, you know, there's a lot now more responsibility that I have than I, than I did. Um, so I'm up, you know, at, you know, and there's other people who get up earlier, so I'm not trying to make a sob story. But you know, I'm up at six o'clock in the morning, and I'm, you know, I've got an hour drive to, you know, to take them to their school and get back home, and then I got to get everything together, and then I've got business stuff and all that kind of jazz. So, but I really like put a lot of effort into. Okay, I'm gonna make sure my recovery's on point. I'm gonna make sure my sleep is on point. All this kind of stuff. We go to Chicago. We get to Chicago a week early. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I want to get adjusted to everything. You know, and. Um, I get great sleep until the night before the meet and then I can't fucking sleep. And I'd never had that problem really before. Like I, I could not sleep. I think I slept like two and a half hours that whole night. Right. And the problem is, is like, I know all the research about sleep and performance, you know? Yeah. So I'm sitting there like trying not to nocebo myself, you yeah, know? It, it doesn't matter what you, yeah, you can't force sleep. Why do you think yeah. it was so knowing? And this is what I love about your story. Okay. The, the reason why this performance um, it's almost like movie-esque in terms of what it means with a comeback where like, it doesn't, you, you had those, those huge highs, winning nationals, winning Arnold's, uh, breaking world records. But this one, because this time it was personal record it was personal. and personal in the, the beauty of it being a personal record, no longer world records, but now like personal, and I won't jump ahead of your own story, but the fact, because this is your personal comeback and it's no longer winning records or titles for anyone else anymore, because you came, nobody knows the bullshit you had to go through in the dark when you were alone in the washroom, showers on, and you're looking in the mirror like, let's, we, we're okay. We're going to be okay. It won't always be like this. 
this is yeah. that culmination meet where it's like, this is for me now. And yeah. um, so when you're like, I'm ranked 37th, why am I not sleeping? But not everybody knows what every meet means to everybody. Yeah. Like, what does it matter if you're fighting for, you don't fucking know, you don't get it. This isn't about exactly. you this time, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where it was like, I was just, you know, it's like I'm back at nationals, you know, like I was just so happy to be there. I was so happy. So I'm, I'm um, and I, the prep for that na for nationals had been okay. Like I had uh, my back got a little angry uh, one day, and then I, I what I was really concerning to me is I had to fly to Italy the next day for a seminar tour. Which, <sighs> again, you know, stupid lane, you know. <laughs> <laughs> books a, a seminar overseas again, you know, um, but fortunately that, that one um, resolved itself really quickly. Uh, but I did my pec that I uh, partially tore in 2017 got re-aggravated. I did not, um, I did not hit a competition bit. I was just doing board presses with bench blocks the, the entire four weeks leading up to nationals. And it wasn't until like, mm, four days before nationals where I hit a 315 unboarded bench press with oh, no, wow. very, pretty much no pain. And then it was kind of like one of those things. I was like, okay, well, don't really know what's going to happen on bench. I guess we'll find out. Right. Yeah. Um, but deadlifts have been going well. Squats have been going well. I felt like I was set up to, to get a, a, a good total. And um, so I, I don't sleep the night before really. And I, I have my epiphanies in the shower apparently. Um, so I'm, I'm like, in the shower, I'm, I get like two, three hours of sleep before I wake up at like you know, 4.30 in the morning and I'm supposed to weigh in at like six or 6.30. And I'm like, all right, fuck it, I guess we're up, you know? So <laughs> I'm in the shower and I'm like, you know what? It's gonna be fine. It's one day, it's one day. You're gonna go out and you're gonna do nine reps. You're not going for a training session where you need endurance, you need nine reps. Pull your shit together and let's go. This is what we do. I mean, that's, people will say it's like really cliche and a lot of people will be embarrassed to admit that, but that's not how I talk to myself. You know what I mean? I'm like, this yeah. is what we do. Let's fucking go. You're a gamer. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I get there warming up, whatever. And it's funny. I heard a lot of people like complaining about, you know, like the, the early start. And cause I think we're warming up and it's like 6:45 in the morning, you know? And, um, as I hit my last squat, um, warm up, and it felt really good. I'm like, I'm such an idiot. I'm like, I'm like, who gives a damn how early it is? This is nationals. You can't get up for this. You don't belong here. You know, <laughs> people like, oh, late from 2015's back. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, go out. Um, you know, ended up hitting a, a 666 squat. Shout to Gino. He was he was there announcing. He got really fired up for that one. He loved it. And the significance um, of like, obviously you had forever on the come up and chasing, like your, your biggest was like 303. This is 302.5 kilo. So close, you, yeah. You're right back. Like yeah. in terms of your I'd comeback. Have your body weight. I'd have your body weight, but still. Still at that point, though. Yeah. yeah. At that point, have go, haven't gone through, you know, two bulge discs, two hernia yeah. discs, you know, a torn muscle in my hip, a fully torn right pectoral, a partially torn left pectoral, you know, like. In terms, you went through I mean, hell. Your bodies went through hell. And um, the fact that even if you're upper body, like your, your overall strength, period, it's got to feel good to be like, holy shit, man, this is starting yeah. to happen. Yeah, yeah. So um, then went three for three on bench, didn't hit a PR, but only two and a half kilos below my PR, which I was, you know, all things considered very happy about. And then on deadlift, um, you know, I don't know. 
I might have been more fired up for that deadlift than I was for my world record squat. I was pretty jacked up. I'm sure you've seen the video. I did. Yeah. Like Andres, my coach, just, you know, like hitting the shit out of me. It's so funny because at every meet I've ever gone to, I'll, I'll get slapped on the back. I don't want to see it coming because I want it to surprise me. Yeah. But like, I'll tell all of you like yelling at people. I'm like, like literally hit me as hard as you can. I had handprints on my back, you know, for days afterwards. Um, but I wanted that. Like when he put 330 kilos on the deadlift, it's one of those where it's like, oh, oh, you think I got that in me? <laughs> You're like, all right. I'm you like, got faith. Yeah, let's, a man of faith, are you? Okay. Let's key, baby. Let's fucking go. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and it, 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 there's a great video that my wife took from the side. And like, if you ever meet my wife, she's like very reserved, uh, very like proper, you know, and you just hear her make this like guttural scream, a noise <laughs> I've never heard her make before in my entire life as that deadlift comes up. And, uh, you know, Gino's fist bumping me and, you know, at backstage, Matt Gary's like, you know, he actually, he was like, you know, that was a really impressive performance, you know, you know, based on everything that had gone on. So I ended up like 12th, you know, which people say, oh, you know, what's the big deal? But to me, it was like, do you understand how much that meant to me? Like yeah. to go, we're talking about, you know, four years after, you know, I never like, had I hit my last PR? That was the question I was asking myself. Is, is that, is that it? Right? Like was 2015 it? Was that my last PR? Because I mean, one day that day will come, right? Yeah. Like one day that will come for everybody. And I think that's every lifters, you know, like you never know when it's there. I mean, eventually you know when it's there, right? But it's like uh, when you're a, a football player or you're a baseball player or whatever, and it's like you still feel like you can do it. You got that, you know, predator mentality. You remember what it's like to hunt, you know, but it's like, is the body still there? You know, yeah. so they, that was like, well, we can do, still do this, you know? And um, so then like after that, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to drop back down to 205 because I feel pretty good. And then COVID hit and I like, obviously nationals was canceled last year. So I took last year off and I was dealing with some hip pain, nothing crazy, but I just kind of had some stuff dogging me on and off. But, um, you know, now I feel good. Um, this is the best I've felt in a long time. I've got actually, um, uh, first off, I just want to shout out my coaches, Ben Escrow and Andres Vargas phenomenal coaches, learned a ton from both of them. Um, but I do feel like it is good to get new, new, um, new blood in and, and learn something different and learn a different style. And actually I heard uh, data driven strength on your podcast. And I, I hit those guys up because no they're, shit. Under, they're under Mike Zordos and I respect Mike immensely. And I remember when I was the best coach uh, that I possibly could be, and it was where those guys are, which is I'm coaching people I'm still in graduate school, so I'm looking at all the research literature and I'm coaching people and I'm lifting myself. Yeah. Like, that is where you're the sharpest knife in the drawer at that point in time. And so I like that. I like what they had to say and whatnot. So we, we started working together and, um, you know, things have been going very, very well. I mean, we haven't hit super heavy weights yet because it's, it's mostly just like getting me readapted because I've, I've basically kind of backed off things just to resolve some of these nagging things, but man, I feel good. And, you know, it's one of those things where now it's like, I get in that mentality, like I'm, I'm like anybody, right? Like I'll look at a Jonathan Keiko or I'll look at, you know, some of the top lifters and be like, oh man, is this really worth it? You know? <laughs> and um, because, you know, people say, well, you know, you're, you're, I'm going to be 40 this year. And people are like, well, the game's passed you by this and that. And I'm like, Oh no, man, Dave Ritz broke my squat record and he was like 60 when he did it. So the last year <laughs> I got 20 years to catch him. You know what I mean? Like, so 
Um, I, I'm kind of like one of those, it's like, I'm in a mode where if I, if I never win another nationals or go to worlds or whatever, somebody said uh, masters the other day, no hate towards masters at all. I will do masters one day, but not, not now. Um, not yet. I still feel like I can do this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of in that mode where I'm like, you know what? Somebody said this to me the other day. So like, you don't have anything left to prove. Like, what are you, what are you trying to prove? And I'm like, maybe it's not about proving something to you guys. Maybe it's about proving something to myself, right? Like at the end of the day, like records are going to, like when I said like the world squat record, I knew it wasn't going to last in immortality. Nothing does, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe Cal Ripken's streak that might last in immortality. <laughs> but, um, you know, no, no record lasts in immortality. That's just not the way sports work. There's always going to be people who step up and it's great. It's great. Like what's happened to the sport of powerlifting in the last five years is fucking incredible. I love it. Like, I love to see it. I love to see how competitive it is. I love, and I love to see the rivalries, you know, like the 74 kilo classes, there's a ridiculous rivalries, right? Like the, the 83 kilo class, you got some up and comers, you know, 93s, 105s. It's like, there's, it's just stacked everywhere. And um, I think it's great. So, but that, so there's part of me that is like, okay, we're doing this for me. But part of me also is like, you know what? If I start feeling good and things start falling, like I still remember what it's like to hunt. Don't let me get, <laughs> let me get close to these boys. Don't let me get close to these boys. Let me get my bow and arrow. Let me see if it's. Let yeah, me see let me just start taking some souls. You know. What I mean? <laughs> um, but no, I mean it's, it's when I talk about like robberies and, and that kind of stuff. Like me and LS, it's it's a great great example. Um, you know that that we kind of got to know each other. Like after the Arnold, after that Arnold, when he was whooping it up for me to, to, to pull for the win, like after that, you know, we had such a great relationship. And in fact, there's a video of, I still got on my phone of me and LS between our second and third squat attempts backstage at Worlds. And he's like, you know, he's got his headphones on and he's like grooving, you know how he does, right? Yeah. He's grooving. And I'm like, he doesn't see me. I'm like right next to him, but I'm like, grooving to and I'm like trolling him, you know, with the camera I, up here. I got that queued up actually, but yeah, <laughs> I actually, it's one of the videos I brought in, but yeah, from this is from the world championships in Finland, right? Did you want to see it? Yeah, I'll see it. Okay. Let's see. That's okay. Yeah. It's a, that was, that was a great moment because it's like, you know, yeah, we're both fired up. We want, we want to do well, but we're having fun. You know what I mean? Here's me trolling LS between squat attempts. He likes to boogie, uh, getting ready, so I'm kind of trolling him. Um, yeah, that's how I get ready for a little record attempt. So here's 303, uh, which is 668 pounds. And I told him, I was like, Ben, if I if I miss this, it means I don't meddle at all in squat. And he said, you know, we could chip it. We could just go 300.5. And he said, nope, you've got this today. And uh, I got fired up. Remembered how much work I put into this? And we friggin' did it. It, it was awesome. It was a great feeling, especially after, again, a month out. You guys saw the video at the beginning, missing 565 in a training session, going through all that back issue and everything. There it is, buddy. Shout out to the spotters, too, man. They were, they were actually, I still remember, that's another story. So I remember as I'm getting set up, the guy's speaking Finnish. I have no idea what he's saying, but he's like very serious. And he's like, he's probably like, come on, come on. You know, he's, <laughs> I, he actually slapped me on the back as I was walking up to the bar. Uh, really? so shout, I don't know what the guy's name is, but shout out to the spotters. They were, uh, they were engaged in it. It was cool.
What's it um, like seeing a video of you from like 2005 and, and seeing like the younger Lane who has no idea where life's going to take him? Yeah, I mean, you know what I could... Uh, what would you tell that guy? What would you tell that guy? I wouldn't tell him a damn thing. Uh, uh, the only thing I would say is, man, just enjoy the ride. And the ups and the downs, all of it, like, I know it's hard to enjoy the down moments, but when you, at least for me, when I look back, I actually fondly remember the down moments, as weird as it sounds. Because it's like, if you don't have that, then you can't appreciate the the, the highs. Like, if things just went smoothly for you, it's like, you know, that uh, there's a saying, if you eat lobster every day, it starts to taste like soap. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you, you need that. You need, you need to have those setbacks to understand that you can, you know, come back from that and, you know, have mental resolve. And I always, like, like I said, with this whole, like me, so I've got a, I've got a meet picked out in mind. It's the week of my 40th birthday. And I told okay. Zach about it and he's, he's very excited. And I said, you know, it'd be pretty cool to hit a monster, like, you know, total the, the week of my 40th birthday, you know, not, not that 40 is anything crazy now. Cause there's guys who are 40 and hit, hit big weights all the time, but you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I have a following who's not always exposed to all that, right? Like we know in our community, hey, 40 doesn't mean shit. You know, like the guys go out and win worlds at 40s. The guy go out and win four, worlds at whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, strength sports, thankfully, have a, have a little bit longer shelf life for that. Um, but my audience, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm so grateful, you know, got like a half million person audience that I can show this to people. So when they say, well, you know, can I build muscle after 40? I'm like, have you been watching? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you can go out and get after it, you know? So um, that's, I do this stuff for me, but I also know, I've always felt like, okay, whatever I've gone through or the way I've felt or the feelings I've had, other people have had those, right? And so if my journey, like what I've done can help somebody else, then that's why I want to share it, right? Mm -hmm. the, the best parts, the worst parts. And it sounds like you followed pretty closely. So like you've seen yeah. the worst parts, you know, and I, I didn't shy away from sharing those. No, you and, did not, sir. Well, look at, I'll tell you right now, like um, as someone who was following, it's weird when you, because you're one of the people who at a time before everyone else is sharing so much, you are sharing a lot. Like going back years, man, we're getting close to like, like your YouTube the whole way, man, and everything in your life was public. And in powerlifting, we've had that here and there, but not that you can actually see somebody's journey. It's it's wild. I don't know anybody who for this long, and now you're 40, you know, about to be 40. And um, not many of us have been able to walk with that path with you and see it all happen. And, and you were open the entire way. So it's weird. It's weird, like people don't yeah. realize why some people will, will cherish those victories with you or want to come back with you because there's, it, we all are going to go through some shit though. We're just yeah. not all going to be honest about it or, and live our life in the, in the open, like you, man, you and know? No, and, there's, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like there's, there's, you know, my, my wife has told me, she's like, you know, there are some things that it's good to keep private, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and so there's no hate towards anybody that doesn't do that. But I, I kind of looked at it like, again, I, I, I want to leave the world better than I found it. And part of that to me and my ethos is, is being transparent about stuff, right? And, you know, I, I don't share everything, obviously, but I share a lot of stuff. Yeah. And 
Um, like I said, that helps somebody else's journey. And I'll have people, people don't realize, like I started this, people are like, when do you get in the fitness? I'll have people, Ryan, you'll appreciate this. Be like, man, I've been following you forever. I've been following you since like 2015. I'm like, bro, I, I already arrived in 2015. <laughs> yeah, I arrived in like 2008, you know, like when I got to sit in the front row of the Olympia to, to like, write up, you know, the, the article for bodybuilding.com got my all expenses paid out to the Olympia to sit in the front row and do play by play. Yeah. How is that not right? You know what yeah. I mean? But it's, it's, you know, people, you gotta understand like the, the social media cycle is so fast. Like people are always discovering you and you're losing followers and gaining followers and all that kind of stuff. And um, so, yeah, like I, I want to expose people to this. And for me, like, People, I get this all the time. People will be like, oh, it's just lifting. That's my favorite one. And I'm like, you know what? I can make anything sound inconsequential. Exactly. Like, you know, other than like, you know, uh, somebody who's like a doctor or something like that, right? Like saving, like saving lives. I can, oh, it's just music. It's yeah. just, it's just, it's just acting, just art. You know, it's just this, it's just that. Well, it's just that to you, but you have got something to where that like you feel that in your soul, right? Mm -hmm. Like that 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 takes you from here and takes you to here, right? For me, that's lifting, you know. And I, I love science. I love all these other things I do, but I love to train. I love to train, you know. And um, so I tell people like, yeah, for some people it is just lifting, but for other people it's not, you know. And don't don't judge people who like that. This is more to them, you know. Yeah. This is. This is, yeah, we're, we're not, you know, we're not out making millions of dollars or, or whatever based on our sport or whatever, but look at how much of a following this sport has without that, right? And here, I think here's part of the reasons why. Most people can relate to going and lifting some kind of weight. Like somebody, most people have tried it at some point. Yeah. At least in Western civilization. Um, but not everybody has, has gone out and got hit by Ray Lewis. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, it's, it's hard to really quantify that, right? But you can quantify 10 pounds. You can quantify 100 pounds. Most people have a reference for that, right? Um, and there's no barrier to entry. It doesn't matter what level you are. You can go do a USAPL meet tomorrow, right? Or, or, or whatever your affiliate is. Yeah. So there's not like bonding, right? Like you can, like the one of the first USAPL meets I did, I'm there with legend Mike Toucher, right? Mike is a legend in IPF and USAPL. Yeah. Some of these kids these days don't even know who Mike is. <laughs> I know. Um, these youngins these days, you know. Um, but you could, you could, any, like, there were people who knew in that meet who had no idea who Mike was, right? But then they see this guy to lift 843 pounds and it might change the course of their freaking life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah, that's, that's what I love about lifting. And I think the other thing I love about what's going on with the sport is, how many women are involved in it? Like, I, I firmly believe that that is what has taken powerlifting to the next level. Because you get women involved, now you get more women involved. Because women want to do stuff that other women are doing. And men, if women are doing it, men will do it too, right? So it, it, it's yeah. wild. Sports in general don't, not, I don't know any sport that's quite like us in terms of how many women, in terms of ratio, are involved. And not in just that how excited people are about the women's lifting, yeah. right? 
Like men watch women's lifting. Men don't watch women's sports. Women don't watch women's sports in general. Like, like the numbers are way lower powerlifting. Dude, I will be analyzing every battle. Like we are all in men. I asked my buddies of every sport they watch of the mainstream sports. Tell me about the, the female side in terms of the theme. They have, they know nothing about it. Powerlifting. Every single one of us knows all the way, all the women champions and watch all the battles and analyze. And it's crazy. Because there's a comparison there, right? Like with, yeah. with WNBA versus NBA, it's like, well, you're just watching the women play the women. And again, like, obviously the women, WNBA, crazy talented, like unbelievable, but you don't have a reference point. You're watching them play each other. And it's like, well, what's the reference point? But you watch, uh, you know, Leah over in France, Swallow well, almost 500 <laughs> pounds, and you're like, damn. Yeah, how is possible? Yeah, it's dudes, insane. Dudes, dudes in the 105 class are showing this one that much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, 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 so I think that that's part. You see Jen Thompson, you know, bench press, you know, 315 pounds, and Jessica uh, Bittner deadlifting 550 or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. So I think the fact that there's that great standardizer, people go, oh, I get a reference point for just how badass this chick is, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I always love people, t- you know, telling people about like the the legend, you know, Kim Walford and you know, Jennifer Thompson and Susie Gary, you know, like it's it's well, such a great sport, and I just I, hope even more people get into it. How do you feel? I want to ask you because you said um, you were talking about the life cycles first off and how like, man, I, there was a point where I was writing for magazine or sorry, writing for websites. And like, I, you felt like, look at, I, you had arrived. Cause I remember back then too, like in the bodybuilding days before the powerlifting days. And I had buddies who were like into bodybuilding who were telling me about you. I was more into powerlifting, but I was aware, you know? And um, it's weird how, when you look back now and you're only 40, man, you're going to have like another 40 years for God's sake, looking back <laughs> even more. Right. Hope so. But uh, yeah, yeah, true, true. But um, yeah, let's not count our chickens before the hatch. But um, how weird is it to look back? It feels like you almost live different lives. It's almost like, Oh yeah. It, people don't even know you from that. You have to tell people like at the p- moment you had a, you, you had like a series with bodybuilding.com. Yep. You're putting out videos the whole nine. I remember those. And, um, so you had that. There are people now who know you from something entirely different. I had no idea about any of that. And you almost like relive your life telling them the, your stories. Like, it's so weird. It's like you've lived several lives. You, you, you have been here, left, came back, left. How you doing? My name's Lane Norton. I'm back again. And let me reintroduce, <laughs> allow me to reintroduce myself. And yeah. new people got to find out about you when it's like, uh, it's so bizarre, you know, and it's almost exhausting. It's like, how many times can I keep doing this? <laughs> you know, it, but it's it's. I don't know what it is, man. It's it, you know. I was just doing a. I so my office is close to a residential neighborhood, and whenever I do my social media posts, and I do all my social media posts, I always tell people that if, if you get a response, that's not somebody on my team that's doing it. That's me. You know, like yeah. I don't I don't do that shit. Um, but when I do my social media posts, I just I walk, um, just because you know I'm like might as well get some steps in and walk around a nice neighborhood rather than sitting at a desk with my head in my phone, right? So I was walking around and uh, I got a, a DM from somebody like, that's my neighborhood. I'm like, oh, no shit, you know, like, I'm like, well, you know, next time you see me, if you, oh, they said they wanted to grab a picture. I'm like, yeah, grab me, fine, you know? And um, I, uh, it's funny, they, they sent that and I said, yeah, you know, if you see me, grab me, it's kind of hard to, because I don't know when I'm going to be out there, you know, it's usually around, you know, 2.30 most days, whatever. Literally after I sent that 
they, they're coming back in from uh, going, uh, I think they were picking their kid up from, uh, from a practice somewhere for sports. They pull over the side of the road and like, oh my God, I just DM'd you, you know, this and that. So I, I get out, take a picture with, um, you know, the, it's a couple and, uh, you know, really nice. We talk for a few minutes and walk off and I, I did a story on them. Like, you know what? They might think it was really cool for them to meet me, but to me, it's always way cooler for me because I'm just, I grew up in Southern Indiana, like where I was from, people didn't move away. You kind of just did the same thing that everybody else did, you know, and, and, and there was no, like it was, just, it was almost like an island. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, and so for me to, to be able to have that walking around, you know, here, or even in like, I can remember getting stopped on the street in Scotland, or Australia, or UK, whatever, like that is just such a cool experience for me. You know, like, and I, I am, I realize that sometimes I can come across as really arrogant. I, th I think most, for the most part, people just mistaken the passion that I have for life, for, for what I'm into, uh, but I get it. But honest to God, I am so grateful for the opportunities I've had and I've worked hard for them. I'm not going to apologize for them, but, um, you know, I remember where I came from and you're right. I've lived several different lives, you know, but I think uh, in hindsight, I'm grateful that I've had so many different things that I've been into, you know, like whether it's research or, or writing or, you know, um, you know, now I'm kind of classify myself as like a science communicator, you know, on my, on my, um, on my social media and lifting, you know, had great success in powerlifting, but I never had, the, it was never just one thing, right? Like I, my identity was, was never tied to one thing. And like, I get it. I get why athletes have depression after they retire, because it's like your entire identity was tied to this one thing. Mm -hmm. And one day it's going to be gone. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what, what's your act two? what's your act three, you know? So for me, it's like, I, I know one day that, you know, I will hit my last PR and all that kind of stuff. I don't think it's happened yet. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't believe it's happened yet. And, um, but you know what, I'm gonna embrace the journey. And you know, I think that like trying to embrace those different phases of your life, you know, I had a, uh, a great therapist, her name is Patty Evans, and she's now a, a really dear friend of mine. And there was a time in my life where I was making some really big decisions about what I was gonna do with my life, and where my life was gonna go, and call it a midlife crisis if you want, whatever it is. Um, and I said, you know, I just don't wanna make the wrong decision. And she said, Lane, don't look at it as like a right or wrong decision. It's just a different path. No matter which one you choose, no matter what you choose, you're going to learn something if you're open to that personal growth. So no matter what happens, you're going to, you, you can be okay if you decide you're going to be okay, right? Mm. But you just have to be willing and open to, to incur that personal growth and take all the good stuff and the bad stuff that comes with it, you know? And I think more people need to look at life that way. You know, like, yeah, I, I tell this to people in our, like our, our nutritional coaching app, Carbon uh, Diet Coach. Yeah, I'm chilly. Uh, but our okay. Facebook group, our Facebook group, um, you know, we, we I, I get that a lot from people. It's like they don't have the, the confidence in the process, right? And they're worried that they're going to put in all this work and they're not going to get what they want. And I said, yeah, you might not get what you want. You might not get that goal that you want. But here's what I know. If you don't put the, so I can't guarantee, I can't promise you that you put all this work in, work really hard, dedicated, 
consistent, and maybe you'll never get to that thing you really want. But here's the rub. You won't find out unless you do it. You won't find out unless you do it. And if you don't do it, I can guarantee you, you won't get it, right? Yeah. But it's like people are so scared. One, they're really scared to admit their goals because like once you put it out there in the ether, now you have to be held accountable to it to yourself. You can't, you can't miss what you don't aim for, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of people don't even want to admit what they want. I've, I've been there, right? Like I'm scared to say I want to go after this world's squat record because what happens if I don't get it, right? Um, and so many people are like that, you know, but you got to aim, like pick something, go for it. Maybe it doesn't work out, but I promise you, if you put in the work and you're consistent and you, you know, really, and I'm not just talking about consistent when things are good. That's the other thing. Like every, I talk about this too. I'm not always people like, man, you're motivated all the time. No, I'm not. There's some days I don't want to go into training. There's a lot of days I want to go into training. There's a lot of days I want to go into work. There's a lot of days I want to make a post on social media. There's a lot, but I do it because I know the equation is simple. What I want, what is required to get it is work and consistency over time. And without those things, I don't get it. With those things, I might not get it, but I know without them, I don't get it at all. So you can either go for it, put everything you got into it, and maybe it doesn't work out, but you'll still get a hell of a lot farther than you would have if you didn't try. And you will have so much personal growth along the way and you'll learn so much about yourself that you'll probably find something else that will give you a great amount of satisfaction. I can't promise that, but- It's the journey too. To if you get hung up, if, if your whole thing is, it's only worth it on the destination. If your desk, you, you, if it takes you six months to get to your destination, what, what do you just throw away six months of your life? Life goes by, six months goes by so quick. You better appreciate the journey of it. Every day you had a good, did you have a good squat day? Do you have a good whatever day? Fucking celebrate those days, not just the, the end result. My friend Paul Ravella said something his baseball coach told him in college. He said, um, the time is going to pass no matter what. Yeah. So like, who cares if that big goal you want who cares if it's going to take you one, two, five, ten years? One day it will be ten years from now, and you can either put the work in and have the satisfaction that you know you gave it everything you did, you could have, and it worked out or it didn't. And if it worked out, fuck yeah. But if it didn't, you don't. You know what? Ryan Doris said something to me uh, during a seminar that he was giving, and this is a great example. Don't get too hung. Like yes, have that goal, but if you don't get it, it does. It's not that it doesn't matter. It's not what's going to make you happy because he asked me, he's like, Lane, when you were going for your PhD, how long was it from that time where you had the idea that you wanted to do that to the time where you actually got it? And I said, well, about eight years, you know, two, you know, two years prior to starting, I kind of had the idea I wanted to do it. And then I took six years to do it. Mm. Um, and he said, and how long did that feeling of euphoria from, from accomplishing it last? I said, weeks you know? <laughs> he's like so you worked for eight years for a couple weeks of payoff and that's where it's so important to appreciate the journey because yeah. but that process taught me so much even if i hadn't gotten the phd that process taught me so much right same thing for powerlifting same thing for bodybuilding all those sorts of things so when i say it's about me trying to prove something to myself and i say like maybe you know what maybe i'll never be world champion. I was close. 
Maybe I'll never be national champion again. Maybe I'll never be top three in national. Maybe I'll never be top 10 at nationals again. I don't know. Like there, there's, there's only one way to find out. Yeah. And that one way is to do the work, do it consistently and see what happens. Because yeah. you know what? There's a, there's a reason they don't just hand the World Series to the Yankees every year. <laughs> that's that's they gotta true. Go, you got to go play, baby. You got to go play. That is damn true. If there ever was, and um, it, you do need something to chase, man. How much better is life when you have something you're striving for, something you're getting out of bed for? You know how bad life is if you're just like, I'm not gonna get it, so fuck it. You have no reason to get out of bed that anymore. You know, I, I I don't agree with everything Joe Rogan says, but one of the things I really liked that he said was, um, I think we have a crisis of purpose right now, this time and age. I think a lot of people don't know what their purpose is or they don't, they don't like, they don't have something that like when they get out of bed, it gets them real fired up or they've got it, but they don't think that like they could actually do it, you know, that sort of thing. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and like make it out to be, you know, sugar plums and rainbows. Like, you know, if you want to be an NBA player and you're five foot two and you got a you know 20 inch vertical, I mean, <laughs> You know, we got to take stock, but there's something out there that you have a, a relatively natural talent for, but you might not know that. Like, I, I didn't squat, I didn't hit my first 500 pound squat until I've been lifting over 10 years. <laughs> right? Like, you got people who go out in their first year lifting, they hit a 500 pound squat. You know, yeah. I had people tell me, you've got terrible genetics. And my approach was always, well, we'll see. <laughs> you know, we'll go find out. Now I get to have people tell me how great my genetics are. Yeah, you don't you love that? Yeah, that's my favorite. Ben Rice came on the podcast. He goes, I trained 10 years till someone finally told me for the first time, you got great genetics. Uh, (laughs) I love that quote. That's that's I love that quote. Another thing when you were sorry, you're about to go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, When you were talking about uh, people like, oh, you're always so motivated, you're always so, and you're like, no, I'm not. And um, David Goggins says, and David, there's no one more motivated David Goggins. Joe Rogan talks about the story as well. He's like, David Goggins says, sometimes I stare at those fucking running shoes for a half hour, just telling myself, and I'm going to get in those fucking shoes, you son of a bitch. And he's like, no, no, for a half hour. And then eventually I put those fucking shoes on and I start running. And he's like, but you don't think I'm fighting that fight still? I'm still fighting that fight. It doesn't go away. It, sorry, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. You know, it, and I think uh, one of the things I like is, you know, you don't, things don't get easier. You just get better at handling it. You know what I mean? Like, and that's true for weight too. I, you know, it's funny. I tell people, I'm like, I always thought that if I, you know, if I got to like where I was squatting 600 pounds, you know, 400 would feel easy or 500 would feel easy. No, it still feels like 400 or 500 pounds. <laughs> it still feels heavy. It's just, it's, it's isn't just, that wild? It's, it's a wild. metaphor for life, but it's true. Where you're like, that felt heavy. People say that, man, that felt heavy. But it is though, bro. It is. It's just, you, yeah. you can lift heavier. That's all. Exactly. It's, it's you still, just, you just, you just get better at handling it. Right. So yeah. I guess, you know, I've kind of uh, pontificated and, and done a lot of storytelling, but um, I'm really big into mindset because I think that, you know, the X's and O's aren't what people need. Like, it's like, you know, I deal with everyday people, people like, you know, we know that if you need to lose weight, you need to eat less calories than you burn. Right. People know that. Well, most people know that. Yeah. If you want to save money, you need to earn more than you spend. But but if you just tell that to somebody, it's not really useful, right. you know, because it doesn't change their habits. And that's the same thing for for powerlifting. Like we 
we love to get hung up in like the little nuances and the crevices of, of research and whatnot and what makes a difference and whatnot. Well, you know, I do heavy walkouts, you know, before my max and what, listen, I'm not saying none of that stuff matters. Of course it matters, but it matters so little, right? Do something like, let's say you're, you're a kid listening to this or you're somebody, you're just getting into powerlifting. Train hard for 10 years, really hard. Right? Like if you, if you, like, let's say you have a goal of like, you want to go to nationals or you want to do well at nationals in your country or whatever it is. Train really hard for 10 years. If, if, if that's what you, you believe your passion is. Really hard. You're going to go through setbacks. You're going to have, be frustrated as shit. You're probably going to have injuries and pain and all that kind of stuff. And it will be worth it. Because if you go through all that, no matter what happens, you can look back with pride and say, I emptied the tank. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I opened the box. It's like, have you ever heard Schrodinger's cat? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you put a cat in a box and you walk away. If you come back, the cat will either be dead or alive, but you have to open the box to find out. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the law. You have to, you have to actually find out. And so, um, you know, I would say open the box, you know, find out. Like, man, who knows? Who knows? Do you think Ashton Ruska, the first time he picked up a barbell, was like, yep, I'm going to dominate powerlifting one day and be well, you know, the, yeah. the best powerlifter in the world. I don't think so. I yeah. mean, you know, now have you seen him at the first nationals? He showed up to you've been like, is that kid a milestone knockout or what is that? You know. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, you don't, you don't know, you don't know, and the only way to know, and this is where people get so, well, my genetics, my genetics, my genetics. You don't know what your genetics are, and guess what? You can't change them. I mean, maybe one day we'll have gene therapy and whatnot. You know, you can, but. Yeah. As of now, you can't change them, and you don't really know what they are. You can take some bullshit tests that might, you know, say, "Well, you're better suited for this." By the way, all those tests are bullshit. They don't really tell you, dick. Really? Um, we can get our DNA sequenced, but we don't really know what it necessarily means yet. I'll give you a great example of this. Okay. Um, so they did a study where they um, they looked at they looked at a bunch of stuff. But one of the things they looked at was ghrelin, which is a hormone for hunger, right? So they, they, they knew, they quantified them into like high secretors of ghrelin and low secretors of ghrelin. And then they randomly told them that they were one or the other. So you had people that were low ghrelin told they had low ghrelin, low ghrelin told they had high ghrelin, high ghrelin told they had low ghrelin, and high ghrelin told they had high ghrelin, right? Guess what? It didn't matter what the genetics were. It matters what the researchers told them. No like, and not just, not, just their, not just their feelings of hunger, but people they told had high ghrelin who were low, they actually saw their ghrelin levels change. Holy smokes, man. It's not, and it's not like you can be like, okay, ghrelin increase, right? Like, <laughs> like, but that's how powerful your freaking mind is. You know, that's how powerful your mind is. And that's why, like. That's insane, uh, Lane. Yeah. So, so who cares what your genetics are? Yes, yes. People who are, you know, obviously, people who do really well at the high levels have pro probably really good genetics, but I mean, you don't find out, some people don't find out for a long time. Like I said, for the first better part of a decade of my lifting career, I got told that I probably shouldn't worry about squatting because my legs were so long and, and thin and, you know, I'll never have good legs because my genetics are shit, you know? I just, I, and I, I remember telling myself one day, like I literally remember having this thought, I'm going to squat 500 pounds for reps one day because you know what? There might be somebody with small legs out there who squats 500 pounds for reps, but I haven't met them yet. And that was my mindset. 
And I did it. And sure enough, by the time I squatted 500 pounds for reps, my legs weren't small anymore. You know, so like, but I love the cool. science proved that, you know, the mind, you know, how powerful the mind is. Like no one told the bumblebee you can't fly and it dynamically can't fly. But when you said like that test right there, where if you believe it's huge, um, they done, with they done it with caffeine too. So they did like a similar test where they um, either gave people caffeine or didn't and then randomly told them what they did, right? So like you had people who didn't get caffeine, told they didn't get it, didn't get it, told they got it, um, got it, told they didn't get it, got it, told they, got it, told they got it. And we know caffeine improves performance. Like we know this, there's a ton of literature on this. And what they found was it didn't matter. It, what matters is what they told them about caffeine. And people will be like, well, that means that caffeine doesn't do anything. No, no, no. It means your beliefs about what caffeine does are way more powerful than what it actually does. Belief. Right? How beautiful so, is that? That science proves belief works. Just believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they show it in like um, you know, with cancer mortality outcomes in terms of people who believe they will survive versus people who don't. Um, you know, they show people who have um, who are of faith. I believe the research shows that people who are of faith um, actually have better outcomes. Now, Again, you know, you can take the, the religious aspect of that, or you can just take it as, you know, they 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 have some kind of belief that they are going to make it through the other side, whatever that is, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, again, now I can't today be like, you know what, I can fly and go up to the Empire State Building and jump and expect to fly. Like, that's, you know, there's limits, but you don't know what the limits are until you try to find out. That's when, love. when people... Uh push back on that to say stuff like that. Like, well then just believe that you can, all right, I already know where your mind is. If you're, you're a pessimist and you don't, cool, then just toss this aside. But we've already ran studies that show this. Like we know we've heard like about the woman who lifted the car off her kid and blah, blah, blah. Like weird things happen. And we're like, how is that possible? Things happen, right? So if someone pushes back, like, well then I should be able to just convince myself I could fly, all right. Well, you're also an asshole. So you go, you go, by, you go by your day with that. And just don't believe, you know, just only see what you see in front of you. And to your point, they did, there was a book about, um, they studied athletes with crazy belief in themselves, not just like a religious belief, but a belief period. And when this, everything in your body is like, you should not have been able to keep going. They had ultra marathon runners who sprained ankles, didn't stop running, started urinating blood in week two. They do a marathon yeah, every day. What's that, sorry? David Goggins had that happen. So you start urinating blood week two, and there's six weeks every day you run a marathon. Urinating blood, organs are shutting down. Week two, it has to, it can only get worse, right? It can only get worse. There's no conceivable reason why week three should be better. Week three, stopped urinating blood. By the time the race is over, the bone started healing, and there's no fucking reason why. Yeah, I think that... Um... Yeah, it, it's amazing what it's amazing, dude. Body. You just have faith. Just have faith, yeah. man. Oh, man. Just we were, believe. You we were saying that, and I my ADHD is killing me now because I had a thought and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> About the David Goggins and running and blo having yeah, faith. No, it's it's oh Roger Bannister. I mean, you don't you don't need to go any further than that. So tell me about him. Okay, so Roger Bannister is the first man who broke the four-minute mile. And when he broke it, um, at the time there was I don't want to say it was a wildly held belief, but some people, some doctors were saying that they did not believe it was humanly possible for somebody to run a, a four minute mile, but like the human body could not withstand that. And when he did it, after, after he did it, I think since then, I want to say it's like 12,000 people have done it. Holy right? Now you can say drugs and you can say, oh, well, they improved nutritional. 
what happened was they got on the starting line knowing it was possible. Yeah. You're, and you're going to see this in powerlifting. You're going to have 1,000-pound squatters, drug-free squatters coming, and you're seeing them already. They're coming. Look at what's happening with the deadlift, too. I mean, we've got, like, you know, when, when Andy Bolton broke the 1,000-pound barrier, you know, suited, but whatever, um, everyone's like, oh, my God. And then you had Benedict Magnuson. Now you've got people who are, you've got people who are going to pull 1,000 pounds for reps. Like, it's coming. You know what I mean? You've got people who are going to break 1,000-pound squat, drug-free. Um, I wouldn't be surprised one day if we have a 1,000-pound squatter in the 120 class. For sure. It would not shock me. His name is Dennis Cornelius. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to your point with Roger uh, in the four-minute mile, um, not only was it, it wasn't a huge evolution because very soon after, you're right. I remember reading about how everyone's like, it's the four minute miles, the barrier. Once he broke it the next year, year after that, it, it was like a floodgate where it's like, okay, no science didn't change. This is way back in the day too, where we didn't have the research movie like this. It just, it was the belief. This is possible. This is now not only possible, it's the standard. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why I, I try not to put limiting beliefs on myself because it would be easy to look at what these guys are doing in the, in the, in the, and say, you know, what? I can't get to that. Well, I don't know what, yeah. when I, when I was winning nationals, that was the standard, right? Like that was what people believe. Well, this is, you know, possible. Yeah. Um, now this is possible, right? Okay. Well, I know it's possible. So who knows what, again, like maybe, maybe not, but who, who, I, it's not going to be because I was like, well, you know what? You boys take this one. I'm going to sit it out and just uh, eat some popcorn. You yeah, we're not I mean? past, you're not passing yeah. the baton just yet. This is the beautiful yeah. thing about humans, man. We get inspiration from each other. Like you said, David Ricks, you're like, look at, you know who took, don't tell me I'm old. You know who took my squat world record? Okay. Yeah. You know, he was 175 years old. Do you know that? That's fact. <laughs> he was 175 years old. He was live when Roger broke the four minute mile and could tell you about it. So <laughs> don't tell me. And that's the beautiful, no other animals have that on, on earth. We actually can get inspiration from each other. That's why we need, it's what links us together, man. Your story yeah. can inspire me. I'll tell you right now, Lane, I'm going to go smash some up, some fucking damage after this. Okay, you got me all wound nice. up. Nice. But it's true, man. I love it. That's why, uh, anyways, um, I'm glad. That, that's, um, I, I know you're an MMA fan. And, yes. Uh, you know, I wasn't a big fan of uh, Michael Bisping, like when, when I was growing up. I'm a big Bisping fan now, and I'll tell you why. That dude was relegated to gatekeeper status yeah. like when i say relegated he had lost so many title eliminator bouts i think it was like four title eliminator bouts heartbreaking when you lose it you're not like at a certain point in the ufc you have to understand that they kind of look at it's, it's different than boxing boxing it's like you lose one and you're a bomb and nobody wants to deal with you right but yeah ufc it's a little bit different but if you lose that many title eliminators you kind of they kind of put you to the side and they're like okay well you'll sell some pay-per-views but for the most part you're done with title shots and I think somebody got injured. I can't remember the exact story, but somebody got yeah. injured. And he was, he, so they asked Bisping if he could step in. And it was like on short notice against Luke Rockhold, a guy who had KO'd him earlier in his career. Yeah. Do you understand? So it's one thing, like when Bryce says that he was kind of psyched out by me being there, we're not going to fight. <laughs> like when, when, when you don't just lose, but you get humiliated and somebody beats your ass. I can't imagine how psychologically difficult that is to come back from, right? 
this guy goes out there and, and everybody also thought of this being his pillow hands, right? Like he had no knockout power. Yeah. He fucking knocks Jake Rockhold out. Cuts through him. That's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. like in my mind, like that is, that's, you, and you've, you've seen some guys who are front runners who will win, 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 and then they get that first loss and it's like, you never, then they just, it's all downhill after that, right? And this guy just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. People were calling for him to retire. They're like, he, you know, he needs to walk away, you know, this and that. He kept coming, kept coming. Now, he's never going to be considered the greatest middleweight of all time, but he was fucking UFC champion yeah. because he kept coming. You know what I mean? So that's like, like when I do those videos, like when I hit my lips and I look, I look at him, I'm like, I'm coming, baby. That's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Because I'm here. I'm still here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think. That's what I was telling my wife this. I'm like, this is why people love sports, man. Because shit happens that should not happen. It shouldn't right. happen. And it happens. Because like the human spirit, man, it's it's incredible. And you see it, right? So I don't know. I feel like that, that's a good that's a good one to end on. But, no, you're um, right. Yeah, I was I was about to say we're way past the time. I, I, we're we're kind of getting to but I I much appreciate it. Um, you're 100% right. Let's leave it on. People who ever who say like sports don't matter, uh, inspiration matters, and sports reveal character, and you build character, and it's a beautiful thing to witness. Um, Lane, how do people get your services, sir? Well, uh, so I'll tell you all the things I sell. Uh, first off, you can find me on social media at BioLane on anything. Uh, I've got a new Instagram account uh, for just for training stuff. It's called Lane Trains at Lane Trains, um, so you can kind of see what I'm doing there, programming wise. And um, yeah, shout out to Zach from Data Driven Strength. I've only been working with him for four weeks, but so far really happy. Uh, love how things are progressing. Really liking the style. So we'll see how things go. Also, if you're looking for powerlifting coaching, them, but also Ben Escrow, um, Andres Vargas, a um, lot of great powerlifting coaches out there, and I've had the fortune, you know, to work with them. Um, and then for what the stuff I actually sell, we have, you know, if you need nutrition coaching. Um, we have an app that's been absolutely killing it. Um, we have like 33,000 subscribers right now. Nice. It's pretty wild. Nicely um, done. And it's, it's called Carbon Diet Coach. It's on iOS and Android. It's basically myself, the brainchild of myself, Holly, and uh, our friend Keith Crocker, who's a registered dietitian. And basically what we try to do is make automated nutrition coaching um, that was affordable to anybody. So it's $10 US per month. And, um, you know, it will coach you for nutrition based on your goals, whether it's gaining muscle, uh, losing fat, uh, just maintaining your current body weight or reverse dieting, whatever. Um, it does all that stuff. I actually, it coaches me. So I put up my updates every week. Like, it's great. I, like, I don't have to worry about it. Um, so we do that. Um, if you need more like one-on-one -on -one style help, we do offer nutrition coaching through our service team BioLane, which is, I don't personally take on clients anymore just because I'm, I'm writing so much content. Um, but we have a team of coaches that we've trained, handpicked to coach people. I think we've got like three masters, uh, one PhD on our staff, two registered dietitians. Like we're, they're very highly qualified people. So, you know, if you need that, and then we just started our supplement line, which is Outward Nutrition. And honest to God, I'm shocked by how well that's doing. Like based on how, um, our first, my first line did where it was kind of, it didn't do so hot. We can't keep it in stock. Um, nice. We we had um, uh, our pre-workout 
uh, we say it hits different, and it does. It's, it's, it's freaking <laughs> awesome. I'll, I'll have to, Ryan, you have to give me your address. I'll, I'll send sure. you some. But, um, you know, it, it, um, just to give you an idea, we COVID has made things difficult. Uh, we also underestimated what the demand would be. And there was a, with the Texas freeze, they kind of had like a, um, um, uh, a lot of the bottles that are made in the U.S. are made in Texas. And so there was a shortage of bottles. So we had a, like a, we were sold out for a couple of weeks and we had uh, 500 units come into stock and we didn't post on social media. We didn't um, send, we sent out a mailer to our 5,000 person list and we sold out in 59 minutes. Holy smokes. So um, yeah, if you, if you guys, uh, if you're looking for like high quality supplements that are evidence-based with no bullshit marketing, um, I would highly recommend checking out Outward Nutrition. For those in Canada, I don't know if we ship there yet, but we're we just hired a, a company to work on getting us approved in Canada, and so we'll be able to hopefully get you guys some of that stuff soon. Good, good, my man. Look at dude, I freaking love when you come on. We got to have you on again. Um, yeah, man. I love hearing your war stories. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're phenomenal. Give me an uh, give me an LS on here sometime. That'd be what? that'd be a good time. One hundred percent. Maybe we even get Bryce. We could do a throwback at some point for yeah, like yeah, all these I, major events. You know, obviously, like I, I've got my recollection of things, but I'm sure they've got a different recollection of things. And you know, maybe I like maybe I you know, I don't I would never want to mischaracterize what anybody said or anything like that. So yeah, I would love to get on and rap with those guys. You know, it was it was funny. It was funny listening to Bryce say you know that Lane was like so dominant during this time. You know, like. That was that was a cool that was a cool little little throwback for me because I mean now this guy's like you know just it's, world it, champ you know friggin' stud. It's like that one documentary, uh, Champions Forever, where it shows like those like Ali, George Foreman, Joe Frazier, and they all had their turns, right? They all had their moments, and all you guys. That's a very deep, thick, talented era. You know, all you guys had your moments, you know, so it'd be yeah. nice to have you all at one place to be able. I'd love to do it in person if we ever were in the same place, but um, whatever. We'll Nationals, see what Nationals 2022. That's my yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see, buddy. Life's funny. But thank you very much. We're way past the time, but we are a couple of chatty Cathy's. We're going to keep in touch, my friend. All right, Ryan. Till next you, time. Buddy. Appreciate you having me on. You bet. Talk to you later.